Hello and welcome to Unlicensed Entertainment. I'm your host, Carl Entner. Uh, before we get into the show today, I'm going to do something I always forget to do, which is tell you guys to rate this show and tell everyone else to subscribe to this show. Hound people to do it. Everybody's looking for a new podcast, so make them listen to this one. If they don't want to listen to it, again, sign them up for it anyway. Maybe they'll stumble upon it. Either way, I get the downloads, so do that for me, please. Uh, this is an entertainment news show that doesn't focus on on tabloid news. We don't care who's dating who. It's more fun entertainment news, and uh, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But first, we're going to uh, meet my lovely uh, guest for the show, Holly Scott. Welcome to the show, Holly. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I am happy to have you on here. Uh, you, uh, I first met you through doing improv comedy. We were both in Spectacles Improv Group, mm -hmm. uh, RIP, I think. In case, uh, uh, maybe, possibly. <laughs> I still have one of my favorite my one of my favorite improv memories uh, is a scene I did with you. We were both in King of the Ring. Yes, uh, yes. And it was the year that I won. Not to brag, <laughs> but uh, I almost didn't, and it was because of you. Yeah, we were in this scene called uh, Toppers, where basically uh, each person is trying to top what the last person said, and it turned into a whole scene where like it turned into, I think uh, you were playing uh, uh, Steve Jobs. Probably you were playing. You were playing. <laughs> you were playing Steve Jobs, and I was playing Bill Gates. Yeah. And the only reason I won that because at the time Michael Fassbender hadn't made a movie yet. I said you were played by Ashton Kutcher, oh. and that was the thing I wanted. But it was a fun, intense. Like, oh man, it was a really fun scene, but it was also like very stressful because you were doing so good in that scene, oh. and it was like I don't. I'm gonna lose. I'm out of this competition because basically the audience voted who won that scene, and if one of us had. Whichever one the audience liked more was going to pass on, and you were winning. You were winning the entire time. If it wasn't for that one line at the end, yeah. you would have been king of the ring. Uh, that would have been... It would have been awesome, but, you know, I, it's funny because I don't really remember scenes so well, okay. like, from back in the day, so, like, I, I remember being in King of the Ring and having some great moments, uh, and I vaguely remember the scene, but I don't remember doing well in it. <laughs> like, well, I have no I, idea what's I happening. Doing well. well, here's the thing. Uh, that's, you know. For you, it's just another improv show. For me, it was a one improv show. I got some credit. <laughs> where people oh. Like, oh, this guy's actually pretty good. Look at that. He won something. So you are good. I replayed that yeah. show a billion times in my head. I will say this. And you were very important. You, you did a great job. Thank you. But you get a lot of hard times, but like you are a really good improviser and I will always remember that. So don't... Well, don't, thank you. I appreciate Don't let that. anybody give you shit for, for anything. People, I think it's because you're so like laid back and, and relaxed about stuff. You take in things really well. And there's a lot of people that are in the improv industry that are like shit givers, basically. That's what they do. <laughs> And and uh, they will find any outlet they can to like shovel it onto somebody, and I'm I'm the same way too. I take I take a lot of heat. You and, and I stuff. I would say shared something in common in that we both through our time in comedy have taken a lot of shit. We've taken a we, lot of we shit. We have been punching bags. <laughs> I uh, yeah I was I was pretty I mean I'll get candid with it. I was pretty depressed when I was doing improv at Shrimp Profit. Uh, spoiler alert for anyone listening. Yes, I do have a deep voice because yes, I am a trans person. So. Uh, at the time, I was not out of the closet yet. Now I very much am. Uh, I'm a trans woman, and so I was in a deep depressive state. And there are some people that like will glom onto that and like go, "Hey, that person is someone that I can ridicule for laughs and take advantage of." Well, yeah, people, especially like uh, people see in the comedy world, they're very competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, hanging out with a comedian is basically like 
hours of just trying to top each other. Yeah. And it does turn into insults and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know about you, I'm definitely not good at insulting people. <laughs> I feel like I'm good. I, I'm, I'm okay at doing comedy and stuff like that, but I definitely do not have that killer instinct to like glom on to something, find their insecurity, and, mm-hmm. and jump into that. And people do see that, and they do see it as a weakness. I don't see it as a weakness. But also, I respect people uh, that can take it, but as long as the people that are dishing it, don't dish out too far. Yeah. There are, there are lines that have been crossed. Exactly. At times where it's like, that's, that's bullshit. But for the most part, it's, yeah, it's a skill in a, it's a skill in comedy to be able to take mm-hmm. the comedy being thrown at you yeah. to a certain extent. When you, when you scale back though, those layers and you get down just the, just the pure, um, craft of improv, I, you are one of the best people I've ever seen. Like, I just know that because you have, you have this base skill that you, that a lot of people don't have. So, uh, Somebody said a long time ago, I think it was James Diebick who said it about you, um, and I'm not, this isn't going to be just a podcast of me talking up Carl the whole oh, time, no, this although is, I very much could. This never happened before, so <laughs> I, am, I am here for but, this. But Carl's ultimate support, like, in, in improv you have the people that like are driving scenes, usually they're pushed forward, and then you have the people that are like, I hate using this, the whole robot ninja pirate thing, Okay, but it's really true, is that like some people are just ninjas and they will come into a scene and just make it better just by being there you are one of them jack uh jack um let's call her old name uh (laughs) jack floyd is another one that does that uh she'll just come into a scene and just kind of all of a sudden it's better so um anyway yeah that's the whole point of that i will will not argue against compliment (laughs) i something i learned i have to do because my instinct was to go that's not true i yeah but uh i'm gonna Thank you for your compliment. I also think you are very talented. Uh, you have a, a, I think pretty much uh, anybody that was ever on on. Uh, fl- okay, I I might be screwing this up. Where you were on FlySpace, right? No, no. Why am I putting you on FlySpace? I think it's because the musical theater. It's thing. it's a very musical friendly team, and I'm I am a, my core improv skill is musical improv. I think that's my. I my must name. have seen you do musical improv or something like. Oh, I must have seen you do that. Uh, I will be honest. I didn't go to a lot of other teams besides the lobby stuff. Don't for feel bad personal about reasons. That. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, don't, I have I don't. seen you, and I remember thinking you're very talented. Anybody that does a musical part in that—that's a part of me that does not work. Oh. I cannot rhyme or think <laughs> out lyrics on the fly, or even if I have time to sit down and write it on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I respect the hell of anyone that can do that. Oh, thank you. So, I kind of jumped midstream there. Uh, where did you, when did you decide you wanted to get into performance or comedy? Oh, I've been performing since I was, you know, able to stand up, basically. And I'm not talking about stand-up microphones, but, like, yeah. stand up with my feet. Um, I there do, wasn't, like, a light bulb moment? Because I have a light bulb moment. Not really. I mean, I, you've seen Legend of Korra, right? No, I have not oh, seen okay. Legend well, of anyway. Korra or Avatar. Uh, well, for those who have, Legend of Korra, the beginning, the first scene, she walks in and kicks down the door and goes, I'm the Avatar, deal with it. And okay. that's, that's literally like how I've been performing my whole life. I was... Uh, my... So you kicked out the womb and said, ta-da, jazz hands? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, as, as queer as I can. Uh-huh. Uh, no, it's, it, was, it was really more like I talked to the point where I couldn't talk anymore and then I started singing. Okay. You know? And then so I was always like performative. I was always out there. And uh, I was also looking for places where I fit in. Like anytime you find a place to fit in, it's great. And theater tended to be the place where, you know, all of the outcasts could go, mm-hmm. you know, in yep, school. Sure. And so like when the minute I was in, uh, it was in a position where I was in a school, I was in a performance space. 
I was on theater. I did theater in junior high. I did theater in elementary school. And then uh, all through college, for the most part. Okay, so you did theater. When did you, uh, when did you, I don't remember when you joined Spectacles. When did, when did you start doing improv comedy, think that's the thing you wanted I, to do? I know the exact date. It was uh, uh, November 11th, 2011. 11, okay. 11, 11. It was the, uh, I was. That makes it easy. Yeah. That's why I know that day. It was also uh, our friend Lars's anniversary. Um, because a lot of people, it was that day. This is the stuff I do remember. That day was the auditions for the Improv Cup. Not auditions for the Improv Cup, but just kind of like the general meeting for the okay. Improv Cup. And I was with another team at the time. I was with a team called the Upperclassmen in okay. Long Beach. And someone said, you should go do the Improv Cup. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to go do it. So I'm like, okay. And so I walked into the building. That was the first time I'd walked into stages at all. I met pretty much everybody. I met you know Josh and, and Matt and the whole crew. And I got put onto a, a team with what were called the wild cards at the time. It wasn't like a wild card or anything. It was like... Um, for those who don't know, the Improv Cup is, uh, is a competition improv show where people try to battle to be the test, the best team. Yeah. and But it's really just kind of a goofball thing. And yeah. I was a- like, anytime we are judging talent, it is <laughs> yeah. a, isn't real uh, competition because <laughs> it's all subjective. Yeah. I mean... It, people, but that, that does not take away from people that have won. Totally. And I've, I've only gotten every third place in that the only times I've did it. So I only have a little shot class, but whatever. Better than I have. Um, we, I was on a team with me, uh, Robert Chocolate Bear Hager, who is, I'm on a team with now, actually. He's awesome. Um, Mormon Magic, Jeff, uh, can't remember his last name, but he, that was his nickname was Mormon Magic. Okay. And um, Steve Lozano. Oh. <laughs> so it was... He, I need to get him on the show sometime. He's <laughs> one of the most fascinating people you will ever meet. Whenever you're on a team with... You know, me and and you're the normal one? <laughs> That's like, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I always consider myself wild, but I was like the tame one on that team. Uh, and we didn't go very far in the competition, but we had a good time. It was fun. And I was like, this group of people is pretty cool. I'm going to stick around. And uh, about a week later, Josh was like, we're having that audition for the Friday Society uh, where we're trying to pull in leaders from all these other teams. And you're the leader of upperclassmen, which I wasn't, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I'm like, sure, I'll come audition for it. And I, I did, and I got on the team. And then that's how I started. Okay, so you got in special. I didn't realize I had to jump back a little bit. So your first improv comedy was a group called the Upperclassmen. No, so, actually. <laughs> okay. Tell me where you first decided you're going to get into improv comedy, because that's very different than acting. So, okay. So the first time I did improv comedy, I was with a team. Uh, I was working at Disneyland, and there's a team uh, called the Fornicators of Comedy. I've F-O-C. heard of them. I, I was a team with me. Uh, our friend DJ was on that team. That's probably why I heard of them. And then a myriad of other random people that uh, we know. And that was in Anaheim. And I did that for like six months, and then they started to say, we're going to start adding things like puppets and dancing, and I were like, no, we mm. want to do improv, we're yeah. not into puppets or dancing. Yeah, I think I'd be out at, uh, at yeah. puppets. Um, at the time, I was living in a garage, <laughs> I lived in weird places, but with the head of Improv for Improv in Fuller. Okay. And, and they, for those of you who don't know, the the lobby of the team that I was on considered improv from improv or sworn enemy for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's really weird how like because I'm still I'm friends with people from the lobby. I'm friends with people from Sprimprov now. Like it's not real. I don't think it's, the rivalry it's is really real. Really not. But you know, it was fun at the time. Um, anyway, I was living in that garage, and they were rehearsing at the house, and I would just kind of watch the rehearsals. And they're like, "You do improv, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." 
well, we're having this uh, improv competition. You should come be part of it. And the winners get to join the team. And I'm like, okay. And I was just about to dump this other team because they were doing puppets and yeah. dancing. So I'm like, cool. And I, I did the, um, the Shmimprov Idol is what they called it. It was like an American Idol thing where like the audience voted for who they want on the team. And I won and Caitlin won. She was on that team in that group as well. well I didn't know Caitlin came from Shmimprov. Yeah. Yeah. For like, but this is not for long. She was on them for like two weeks. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, That's dump- insane to me because she's... She's one of the most talented improvisers I've seen. Yeah, it, that was it. Was kind of a weird. It was a weird time. It was a weird time for us because we all didn't know what what improv was. We didn't. We had like battle lines drawn. I was a terrible improviser at the time. Like I hadn't had any classes or training. I was just making jokes. I was torpedoing scenes. I, I was think. Bad. I think most people are at first. <laughs> yeah, but I was diving right into a group that had been around for ten years yeah. already, and so I was like, I'm I'm the best, and uh, everyone's like, No, you're you're really not the best. You're kind of bad. That's how you get going, though. You you gotta have that confidence to get going. <laughs> when I first started off, I uh, I walked into uh, there was an improv meeting going on backstage mm-hmm. of a play that I was in, and I it was with Matt and Alex there, and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna jump in on stage. And I thought I was so fucking good. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, I am instantly the best that's ever done this thing. I've seen Who's Line. I could be on Who's Line. Yeah. And uh, I sh- shudder to think how bad that was. I remember I made someone make a poem about my butt, so it <laughs> can't be that good. Oh, those butt poems. So good. Yeah. Force, that, that's natural in a scene, right? Yeah, make someone do a butt poem. Totally. Uh, I would watch a butt poem scene. <laughs> um, after that, uh, after I, I, I moved to New York for like six months, and then I came back and I tried to rejoin Sprimprov and they're like, no, no, thank you. And so I was kind of like a free agent for a long, long time and I just kind of chilled. What was, can, I, can I back you up? Why did you move to New York? What was your goal there? Because that, that's impressive to be that brave to go out there and try that. So you think it's bravery, but it's actually not really that brave. I, I moved out there because, and I'll, uh, I'll just, how, is anyone listening? Hopefully there's people listening that will take my story and go, oh, that's fun. But I uh, I had a panic attack uh-huh. and I didn't know what to do. I was I had like no money. I had like a barely a job that was enough to pay my rent. I was living literally in a living room. I was really not in a good place, and I was having a panic attack. And I called my best friend who lives in New York. My best friend uh, Mark writes musicals. Okay, he's a professional uh, book and lyricist. He's also a manager of the Drama Bookshop. So of if the, you're ever in the, of the dra- what bookshop? The Drama Bookshop. Which drama. Is, yeah, that's okay. a that's a. A place you can buy plays and musicals. It's owned by Lin Manuel Miranda, who oh, okay. um, and Tommy Kale from. Hampton. I've heard of that guy. Some people might not have heard of him, but yeah, I've heard. <laughs> he's, of him. He's got a small career. Yeah. You he know. makes small plays about political stuff. figures. Yeah. But anyway, I call Mark, and Mark's like, "Well, you know, you can always come here." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "You can, you can come live on my couch. You're living on a couch there. Come live on my couch here and just see if New York is better because I love it." And I'm like, "You know what? That seems like a good idea." So I got rid of all, almost all of my stuff except for two suitcases. We were we had a family vacation planned to go to Disney World, uh-huh. and so I told my mom, I said, hey, instead of flying me back to California, can you just reroute my ticket to New York? And she's like, sure. And it was on Southwest, so two bags free. Yeah. So I had two bags plus my personal bag, $500, which was money that I'd kind of siphoned off of the family trip, because they gave... My mom gave us five hundred, uh, $100 a day to go get food at Disney World. Okay. And I, I, we were there for seven days. I'd spent only 200 of it, and the other 500 I just kind of put in my pocket because I knew I was moving to New York, and I didn't yeah. have any money. And so that was the amount of money that I sent. And I, and I went there. I got a job at the Apple Store in Fifth Avenue, uh, the big cube, and I thought that I was going to be a New York resident, that that was where I was going to live. And then, you know, things kind of went south here in, back in California, 
And my mom was like, hey, I, we, you should move back. We need you to move back. And so I did. And I kind of regret that move. Not mm-hmm. that I don't love my family, but I, I should have given New York a longer, a longer shot. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I still love it. But in terms of what did I do out there, I, not much. I walked around the city. You know? oh, okay. Yeah. So the, it wasn't for a performance. When, yeah, because that's what I, when I hear someone went to New York, I, I picture someone, you're like, okay, I'm going to be a star. And then they, the, the they thought try process did enter my mind that, like, maybe I could do auditions for Broadway shows. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a terrible singer, but I never got the chutzpah to do it. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know if I could even do it now. I don't know if, you know, it's hard as a trans person for any doing any performance roles. So, I mean, I guess I could go audition and stuff if I ever wanted to move back to New York, but, like, the odds of me getting on a show now are pretty low. Um, we'll I see. mean, hopefully ti- times are changing. That might yeah. be a thing later. But, yeah, it is. I will definitely agree that representation is low. Yes. Um, but it's getting better. Um, it's low, though. But anyway, uh, yeah. so, yeah, I came back. Um, I had nothing to do for a long, long time. Uh, and then... One of the guys from the team was called Laughing Stock Development at the time, LSD. Okay. They invited me to do a um, a special show that was between with them and Cherry Spitz. It was like the Long Beach spe- Spectacular because at the time Cherry Spitz was in Long Beach. Yes. And so I went and did that, and they're like, "You're really good. You should. What's your team?" And I'm like, "Oh, I don't have a team. I haven't had a team for years." And they're like, "You should just join our team." And I'm like, "Okay," and I did. And then we were talking about getting corporate gigs, and I'm like, guys, you can't call yourself Laughing Stock Development and get corporate gigs. And I'm like, why not? I'm like, because your abbreviation is LSD. <laughs> and they're like, we know it's funny. And I'm like, yeah, but no not one's going to pay you for it. So I cha- I helped them change their name to the upperclassmen. Okay. That was my my input. Was like, we. I did not know those were two, those those two teams were the same. Same team. team. Yeah. Because I've heard team. of both of them. Yeah, I mean, minus a couple of players, because some of the players moved on, uh, went to L.A. and stuff, but for the most part, that is the same team. And even now, that same team exists in Long Beach. They might be different players, but it's still there. So, so. the name has traveled. The name has traveled, exactly. Okay. And then that's at that point, I, I did the Improv Cup, and I got Friday Society. I left upperclassmen because I didn't want to have two teams, and um, and I went from there. So And that's, yeah. So what I've been kind of doing when Spectacles left, I, I switched over to Fancy Hobo, and I've been on Fancy Hobo ever since. That's my current team. That, and that's a, that's a musical, is, they're a musical improv team, you No, know, right? they're just a regular no? improv team, but we do have a lot of musical elements because we have a lot of musical, talented people. We okay. tried to bill ourselves as a musical team, um, but one thing about the pandemic and about doing improv over you know YouTube and Zoom, there's no way to sync up audio. Okay. So doing music is almost impossible the only music game we had was a solo game myself called Love Song, where I would play guitar and sing, because it's not syncing with anyone else. Okay, I just assume that I assume you I, like I've looked at it and like oh maybe I should audition. And then I'm like oh well they're musical, so I don't I don't sing. So we have a be... lot of non-singers on our team oh, actually. Well, that's something for me to consider sometime. Yeah, I, and also too we let's have turn a... this into a job interview for me. Yeah, <laughs> well, whatever your resume, I'm gonna check it out, and it looks pretty good. Um, I don't know where where the state of the union is for Fancy Hobo, but I know that we're working on trying to get things safe so we can get back into a space and then go do stuff. I mean, sometimes it seems like we're almost there, back to mm-hmm. being normal, and then other times it seems like we'll never get back to normal. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, awesome anyway. journey. Thanks yeah, that's my whole yeah my whole improv journey in a in a fifteen minutes sequel. If you, if that bores you, skip that. Uh, no, I thought that was very <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. Do not do not take that route. Okay, cool. I, if I thought you were boring, I would have been like, oh that's enough. <laughs> yeah, please we, stop we talking about anymore. yourself. Holy God. Oh, you know, 
Is this New York part ever going to end? Good no. God. You were only no. there for six months. Why is the story eight months long? All right. no, I, I thought it was very interesting. Do not do not do that to yourself. All right. So, uh, segment I started, I keep acting like it's new, but I've been doing it since February, so mm-hmm. I think it's not a new segment anymore. So, let's just move on to the next segment I usually do, which is where I... Uh, I've taken notes on things that I have watched or just observed in, in, on, in any entertainment, movies, TV, <laughs> podcasts, anything like that, Yeah. and just, I'm going to give you my thoughts on them. And the okay. first one is, okay, so I'm a little weird in the fact that once I start something, I have to finish it, or I okay. feel guilty, no matter how insignificant the thing is. Okay. And the thing I'm doing right now is I'm going through all the Disney animated films in order. Interesting. Uh, be, from, you know, Snow White all the way up to current, and... If I stop, I'll feel guilty, even though no one would be like, Carl, <laughs> why'd you stop watching Disney in order? But anyway, so I'm, I'm coming, I'm watching some Where are you at? How far have you gotten? Well, this is where I'm going to get to. I just watched a movie called Dinosaur. Oh my god, Dinosaur. I know that one very well. <laughs> well then, you just, you just ruined my first point, which is my first point was, no one has seen Dinosaur. Oh, I haven't seen that, it. That I just a... know about it. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will say I know about it because I worked at Disneyland when uh, that movie was out. And we had promotions for it, and nobody wanted to see it. We're like, oh, yeah. Okay, I <laughs> I know I was alive during the time Dinosaur came out. It came out in, like, around 2000 or something like 2001 that. 2001, specifically. I don't remember this movie being advertised. I don't remember anyone talking about it. No, no one talks about it anymore. People talk about the Black Cauldron, that's considered terrible. Yeah. But no one talks about Dinosaur. It's like a forgotten thing, because it didn't exist. Disney is... <laughs> Putting this out there, people getting Disney Plus are going through all the Disney movies like, oh, Dinosaur. I've never seen this one before, yeah. but it says it's from 2001. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it is a made-up movie. And I watched it. It didn't feel like it was fully fleshed out. It was God, dark There's crap. a whole attraction about this there, in Disney World. There's there, an attraction of Yeah, of there's di- a dinosaur. In Animal Kingdom, there's a dinosaur attraction. Nope, don't believe it. <laughs> It does not exist. exist. It does. Does not exist. The only reason I know about it is because when I worked at Disney, I worked at a building called Interventions. Again, rest in peace. All my stuff dies. (laughs) And uh, there was a show upstairs that we had to learn. It was called The Dinosaur Show, where we would actually go up and and say, we're an animator from Disney, which we weren't. Um, They were like, "When we're going to show you how they do all the fun animations and CGI for Dinosaur. And like to an audience of like maybe a breastfeeding mom or something. Like nobody actually And the audience is like, why are you showing me animation from something does not exist. Best part about that show was it had trailers, and I remember there's three trailers that it had. It had the original Monsters Inc. trailer, which was great. Great movie. Exists. It, the whole trailer for Princess Diaries, which was phenomenal. One of my favorite that movies. That wasn't an animated movie. Nope, sure wasn't, but it was there. <laughs> and the other one was the uh, a, a it was a trailer and a behind the scenes look at the Emperor's New Groove, which is mwah, a classic. If you haven't seen Emperor's New Groove. It's a glorious piece of work. It's next on my list of movies to watch. I've seen it once. Legendary. Did not like it. What? What? <laughs> but I'm going to give it another try. You should. You uh, should. Why didn't you like it? I got to know. I, I got to know. I hated the characters. I th- I did not find it compelling or fun to watch at all. Not even Pacha? Sweet Pacha? The John Goodman character? No, I don't I don't, I don't really remember it that well. Oh. I will say it came shortly after. I went through a phase. Okay. When I was younger... I love Disney movies. Disney movies were the shit. Uh-huh. Then I became like a teenager, and suddenly I was too cool for Disney movies. I, you know, like, guys don't watch Disney movies, <laughs> bullshit. And then, like, one time, I was hanging out at a friend's house, and she put on The Little Mermaid. I was watching, it's like, fuck, this is good. And I got back into it, but that was like, I was an adult by that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I watched it either slightly before I really started enjoying Disney movies again, mm-hmm. or shortly after I got into them, I was still a little bit like, I'm still slightly too cool. Like, <laughs> sure, I like 
Little Mermaid. I'll, I'll enjoy Hercules, but other stuff I'm too cool for. Now I'm just watching all of it. Disney's oh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, their movies are awesome. Their company has some, no, some no. shady practices. It, it is but... the most <laughs> evil company that puts out yeah. great products. I hate myself for liking them as much. The same thing with Amazon. Amazon's fucking evil, but yeah. I sure do have Prime. I, I, listened, I read an article today about Lilo and Stitch, uh, the movie Lilo and Stitch. And they, they said the only reason that Lilo and Stitch exists, and it is so as the way it is, is because they had to hide it from the studio. <laughs> really? Yeah. They, they, they knew that if they sent that movie to the studio, the studio notes would destroy it. So they <laughs> just said, it's good, doing great, boss. And they animated it, not in California, but that was one of the few movies that they animated in the Florida animation studio that was part of Disney World. So like all the execs were in California, they're like, is that good? Oh, you're over there? Yeah, I don't care. And they just let it slide in the river, which is why it has such a low-budget feel. Oh, okay. The movie made four times its budget. Really? Yeah. For, uh, it seems like a small in, small indie film, but it's a Disney flick, and it's like huge. Now Hawaiians hate it. Really? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Because because it's like, of the Hawaiian. Because it's not made by Hawaiians, and it's not like actually like part of their culture. Oh, okay. Um. So they they much more uh, the people that I've talked to that are in Pacific Islander much prefer, and I'm not one, so I can't speak to it. But just knowing from uh, people, people told me that. Um, Moana is a much better representation. Not perfect, but closer. Okay. Um, but but yeah, people in Hawaii are like, Lilo and Stitch? Okay. Lilo, <laughs> Lilo and Stitch exists in the era where I'm not that familiar with it, with Disney, oh, because yeah. uh, uh, probably for, after Tarzan, uh, there was like, there was Fantasia 2000, okay. and then there was Dinosaur, and yeah. Lilo and Stitch, and Emperor's New Crew. All stuff was in my era where I was like, I don't watch Disney. So I didn't see Lilo and Stitch until I got with my wife. Okay. Who, she loves him. It's It's a good movie. It's a it good was, movie. I need to watch again. Maybe I need to watch it again. I thought it was fine. I thought the characters were better than the movie in okay. this one. Are you watching? Uh, let me go back to what you're saying. You're watching all of in order. Are you including the the ones that are now on Disney Plus, but originally they were direct to DVD or direct to VHS sequels? No. Okay. So I you're can't not watching do that. like Cinderella two. I can't do that to myself. Or, or the Little Mermaid two with their Ariel's I can't, daughter. I can't. I can't do. I found a list. <laughs> if you go on Wikipedia, they give the list of the official ones that they numbered. Yeah. Their, it releases, and there's there, by the way, there's some bad ones early on mm-hmm. that are counted in that that are on Disney Plus that are. Pretty fucking racist. The only it's horrible. The only ones that I will ever recommend checking out of those sequels is um, I would recommend Aladdin two and three. I love uh, the third one. The third one is the one they got back Robin Williams. Yes. The yep. second one was voiced by Dan Castellaneta, which, who is the voice of Homer Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> which as a kid, I couldn't tell a difference, but as an adult, that's Homer Simpson. It's just his Dude, voice. Disney has this like I I one of my jobs at Disneyland was I was. In character voices, because I did uh, the voice of Crush from Turtle Talk. That was one of my jobs at Disney. And I got to learn how the Disney voices, uh, there's like a hierarchy that goes through everything. So, like, the main person that does the voice is the original voice. He's like voice number one, she's like voice number one, right? And then they have like a backup person. It's usually it's like a person that is like a character voice actor. Like you'll they'll get like a Billy West or a Rob Paulson or like a Maurice LaMarche or like a um, Tress McNeil or they'll get someone like that to do those. So the voice. cast of Futurama. Basically, yeah. Because yes. those guys are just voice talent that just yeah. well, we're doing everything. Oh yeah. Um, they are in like a ton of stuff. And then at that point they start going down the line and down the line a little bit. So with the with the genie, they're like Robin's not involved in this, you know. We got to get somebody. Uh, let's let's tap the Simpsons guys and, and Dan Castle. Like I'll do the voice. I mean, it makes sense. And actually, he's done the voice more than Robin Williams because he also did it on the TV series. Yes, yeah. But it just sounds weird now as an adult <laughs> where you can distinguish things a little bit better. I didn't like. I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Return of Jafar. I thought was better than Aladdin. 
As an adult, I do not like Return of Jafar. No, no. I mean, we these movies aren't great. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. Have you ever seen uh, the Hunchback sequel? No. Oh, I my God. I, I, I have not actually seen all the way through the original Hunchback. That's my favorite Disney movie. I, I, it's not interesting to me. <laughs> okay. sorry. <laughs> okay. Here's a thing that's with me that's messed up. I like sad things a lot. Okay. And Hunchback is a very sad movie. <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite classic books. I read the book like three times. Oh, well then, yeah. If, uh, yeah, that makes and, sense. Uh, but I read it because I love the Disney movie so much. Oh. Uh, okay. There's a musical, you know. Is there? Yeah. I'll check it out. Tap it into something for the but, future. Uh, <laughs> but... The ending that the thing I love about that movie is that Quasimodo, you know, in most Disney films, the the lead would get the girl. At the end of that movie, right. he does not get the girl, which is sadly more realistic. Yeah. If, if you got, if you got Phoebus, who's like a charming knight in shining armor, and then you go in, in the competition as Quasimodo, you're gonna and they're both nice, good guys. Yeah. You're probably gonna go with the prettier guy. So, uh, what that's I like that they have that ending. But in the next one, he's dating uh, a girl that's voiced by Jennifer Love Hewitt, who's like this pretty blonde lady. Oh. No problems whatsoever. It kind of takes... Oh, so the second and movie is just like, we gotta get Quasimodo. We gotta get him his girl. girl. Also, <laughs> That's weird. And also the whole the whole plot is someone's trying to steal the bells of Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, but good for Quasimodo. Oh no, good for Honestly, him. I'm Terrible movie. I, but good for him as a character. Yeah. I mean, he, he is, he's, he's getting it done. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. I, I would probably not watch that movie either. Since I haven't seen the first one, I'm not rushing out to see it. Oh, it's so good. Give I it know, a try. I know. Okay, maybe I will. I'll tell you what. I'm going to watch Emperor's New Groove soon. I'll, wa- I'll watch hum- Hunchback. We'll do that. We'll, it's so we'll good. Do a, we'll do a <laughs> follow-up episode and be like, I watched that movie. It was still bad. <laughs> <laughs> at least, you, you got to give me at least, he has a beautiful voice. The, the singer for Quasimodo has a one of the best voices oh, in Disney. Oh, yeah. I'm not... I'm not saying anything about the visuals of Hunchback is a great visual movie. I just don't. It's not interesting. Like Pocahontas is not interesting. Well, Pocahontas to me. is a bad movie, and also it's really not historically it's, accurate. It's it's offensively bad. <laughs> yeah, I I felt like they had good intentions somewhat. Like they're like, we'll have a, a Native American princess, mm-hmm. but it's such a fucked up true story. That maybe it shouldn't be a cutesy story. It's like if you took, let's make an animated Anne Frank movie and make it in Disney. Oh, yeah. We'll have our few first Disney Jewish <laughs> princess. It's like, yeah, but the fucked up story. Maybe don't do that. Yeah, maybe don't go that route with anything. I, you know, the, the histories do kind of make me cringe a little bit. Like, like Mulan. Also, it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, but Mulan's so good. I love Mulan. I, I it's okay. Okay, it's okay. I, I, I'm not anti Mulan. I could see some. I didn't watch why. the new one. I, the, the new one wasn't good. I, I have a I have a fundamental problem with paying thirty dollars to watch a home movie at home. Well, I waited I until don't. it was available on like because the Disney Plus premiere mm-hmm. is only for about three months and yeah. then it's free to watch. So I waited until that. I was I, not gonna. And I'll that. wait. I'll wait for stuff and I'll watch it later. But like most of the time, like I watched. I, I love the fact that Luca is on Disney Plus because I got to watch that and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a thirty dollar thing and it was amazing. It so was great. Though my only problem with Luca is the fact that the the people who made that movie. We're told is going to go to theaters, and they didn't even put it in theaters. Oh well, I mean that's and they were upset would, about it that. It would have been not the pandemic, you know. That's yeah, no, do. I know. I'm just saying it's hard that, to honor contracts when there are no but theaters. Like, but like, you know? but like Black Widow is already in theaters when 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 Luca came out a month later. Like they're yeah. just they're still putting movies in theaters, and they just didn't do that with Luca. I thought that was messed up for the people because I thought Luca was a fantastic film. It was so great, and I feel like if it was advertised for theaters, I think more people would have seen it. And enjoyed it. And plus, it just would have been great to see on the screen. Yeah, I would. They'll probably re-release it later. I mean, when theaters are back to full capacities and stuff. Maybe, well, and they are full capacity. They're just not filling to capacity. Right, really. right, right. 
Yeah, they changed. Unless, unless it's a Marvel film. Shang-Chi has been doing amazing for weeks. I have not seen that yet. It's, I don't watch a lot of Marvel movies unless they're the big ones. I really don't. Marvel is interesting. And I might get a lot of shit for this. I really No, might. I feel like you should be allowed to like what you like. Yeah, I don't I don't hate them. It's just like I feel like I'm going to get the information I need from those movies from the big Avengers tie-ins because they'll go back and recap everything a, a little bit yeah but like you I, know what you need to know to survive the movie but like i watched black panther love black panther i love captain marvel is one of my favorite movies i think the movie gets way too much shit i think it is a, it is a fun movie i don't think it should get any shit i think the people it's also a love letter to people that like grew up in the 90s like myself yeah and so like a lot of people that i give a shit are like were people that grew up in the 2000s well, are like no they did that <laughs> you think, know those I, things are real i think it's two things i think <clears throat> one of them is is that people uh got offended basically because she's hardcore feminist mm -hmm. and she said things in interviews that piss people off and they're holding that against the movie yeah which by the way you should the only thing that she said was she she's only getting interviewed by white males uh -huh. and she's like i want to be interviewed from by females from now on and i think that and people took it, oh, she hates men. It's like, no, she wants to give opportunities to other women. Right. She's gotten opportunities. She wants to give those out. And I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, I don't think it's... Now, there, I will say that this, there are opportunities where someone who is a creator or a main star in a movie can say or do, and their actions are be so detrimental to a whole group of people that I, I can't, in good conscience, support their products anymore. True. I, I mean, straight up... You know, we're going to be, we could probably talk about Chris Pratt all day long, but like Chris Pratt has joined a church that is straight up said that, uh, that home, homophobia, there's homophobia is not a bad thing. And like, yes. And, and yes. Like, people that are, are homosexual or, or trans like myself are bad people that are going to hell. And he, he believes that. And it's like, okay. I mean, if that's what you believe, that sucks, but it's what you believe. But like, I don't want to support you anymore. I, I understand that. You know, I'm like this Mario movie that's coming out in the next couple of weeks, which we'll probably talk about. Yeah. I'm, I don't mean to jump ahead on no, your list okay. at all, but we'll like, we'll I'm, kind of, I'm kind of ranting a little bit. That's but okay. like, but having like that cast looks great, but I'm not going to see it because I don't want Chris Pratt to get a dime. You I, know, I get, like, I'm sorry. I get that. I, I, I'm probably pretty bad because like, uh, like my 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 dad's side of the family is Jewish, mm -hmm. uh, so like I don't claim to be Jewish myself, but there's definitely that part of my heritage with me. Right. But I am so bad in the fact that I I hate Mel Gibson, but mm -hmm. I have seen plenty of his movies since. <sighs> I, I I have a hard time if something looks good, I still see it, but I respect the hell out of people that that fall through with their dollar and, and go like and this is a, bad to me and I don't want to support that person. There's another side of it too and like and I know this because I, I do make movies and I'm a, I have a degree in film. There's not just one person that no. makes a movie. And I don't I, I probably will see the Super Mario movie because I want to support the people that aren't bad people yeah. that are making the films, you know. Uh, and yeah, there's a cast, there's the crew, which is way more than the, than yeah. the cast is, and they're 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 dependent on this thing to and do also, well as well. Chris is going to get his money no matter what. No, like yeah, he he's going to get paid whether I go to see it or not. Um, but like, there's other things too. Like, I I will not ever support anything in the Wizarding world, like J.K. Rowling. No, I get that because she benefits from that money, and I know that's something I can speak with no, my dollars. But... I'll I'll be honest. Uh, so, my wife and I were huge Harry Potter fans, mm -hmm. and you come in the door and you see we have the Gryffindor. I saw it. Yeah, I literally thought about taking that down when you were coming over. You didn't I have to, and you don't have to because I... I think I think she is repugnant. Yeah, I, I I was a huge fan of her until she started saying ignorant shit. Yeah, and I so I hate because I was a, I've been a fan of her since middle school. I was too, and I hate that pe that people that 
have as much influence seem to miss their own messages mm-hmm. about accepting and stuff like that. That's the big thing for me. I don't want to go too deep into Harry no, no. Potter hole, but like the big thing for me is like I I loved those books. I had a Gryffindor banner on my wall. I had like the whole shoes. I, last Halloween I was Hermione. Like mm-hmm. like I had all of these things because those books meant a lot to me as a trans person. Saying hey, you can be different and it's okay. Yeah, you will have a place in this world. That's the whole message. And then for her to come out and go, nah, except if you're trans, because trans yeah. people are like, uh, what? <laughs> you know, why just bury your whole message? The whole reason I love your your whole entire genre your whole entire category of film uh you just completely shat upon and now i don't want to give you any money i've been giving away stuff i've thrown things away i have a pair of size 12 gryffindor shoes in my car that i'm just waiting for someone who wants them i can give them to them if they really want but i will never say to anybody you can't watch this thing because of me. No. I won't, because that's not fair. No, like, I, I get that. And I would never say, like, I'm going to stop. Look, I love those books still. I have to set, They're a little bit tainted now because yeah. of the way she acted. But, like, my, my thought was just be, out of respect to you, maybe take down these flags or something like that. I, I, I was self-conscious. You came in and I was like, ooh, I should have done that. Don't worry about it. I wasn't I wasn't offended by them. Because I, I know that people are fans, and everyone takes... And not everybody who's a fan... Follows yeah. her horrible beliefs. I have a lot of people that are trans that still follow Harry Potter stuff, but they just buy their stuff on Etsy or they'll mm-hmm. buy it from other creators so that she doesn't get any money. And that's kind of, you know, I can't go that route. Mm-hmm. Personally, for me, it stings too much. But you know what? It's it, Find your bliss, you know? Like, I'm never going to yuck anybody's yum. There's stuff that I like that clearly I probably shouldn't enjoy. Like every Disney film I probably shouldn't <laughs> enjoy, but I do. You know, it's it's just a thing. You draw your lines and you pick your battles. And that's my battle, but I don't require it for everybody. So don't stress over the banners in your front room. It's fine. You know? <laughs> it, it's just weird to me, especially when authors who would, you know, with a movie or something like that, you might have an actor or something like that who has mm. repugnant views, but the majority of the set might not. But an author has full creative control of the thing. So, like, yeah. she had these viewpoints when she was writing this book, and then when it get completely against them. Same thing with, like, um, do you know who Orson Scott Card is? Like the Ender's Game guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So his, again, is about the whole point of that book is to not judge people before you know who they are. The whole book is basically about misunderstanding by prejudging. Right. And he's homophobic. Yeah. There are a lot of people in that era that were. It's uh, it's insane I mean, to me. Or like Star Trek fans who are who are racist or stuff like that. The whole point of Star Trek is we're yeah. beyond those things. I mean, I if, just don't get it. If I existed, people, I get these people tell me like, "Hey, what? Wouldn't you want to go back to like 1950s? It's such a great time." I'm like, no, because only I if would, you're a straight white male. Yeah, because I would go back and go, "I'm illegal now." <laughs> you know, my entire existence means that I could go to jail. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to regress back to that point. I want to celebrate the things that we have changed. Um, You can look back nostalgic on the things in the past all you want. That's totally great. In terms of media, definitely. There's a lot of garbage people in Hollywood in the 30s and 40s that, you know, made some really great work, you know. And there's people that I don't know. I don't know what Akira Kurosawa did in Japan. I have no idea, but I love Seven Samurai. It's a yeah. great film. One of my favorites, in fact. But, like, I could have been a terrible person. Well, especially, like, the Me Too movement has opened me up to, like... Because, you know, I, I before the Me Too movement started, Kevin Spacey was my favorite actor. Oh. I have so much audio... Because I saved all the episodes of my old podcast. I have so many episodes of me recorded talking about how brilliant Kevin Spacey is and how he can do no wrong. Yeah. And it just has me go think, because if you, in case you don't know, he's done plenty wrong. Lots, lots uh, wrong. It makes you think... 
back before the Me Too movement, before people were being outed, mm-hmm. there has to be so many stories that have not been told of all these people throughout the oh, ages that yeah. you we admire now that are just horrible people. And like going back to improv a little bit, like basically the entire improv community was ravaged at that time because so many people were terrible and finally it took a lot of guts and bravery for a lot of you know mostly women but i'll say women but there was also some men too but like people would come out and go hey this person that you love on stage right now completely assaulted me or Mm -hmm. raped me or did terrible things and said nasty stuff treated me like garbage xyz and it took a lot of guts but that the improv seems different now if you've seen it first of all most of the theaters in la have closed because before pandemic times they shut down um but yeah i mean when teams are coming back there's a lot more diversity now there's a lot more the ratio for men to women is almost equal in some parts if not completely flipped which is amazing Um, a lot more people of color which is amazing like because that community listened and were like we can't have this any happen anymore like we can't have a bunch of you know cis white dudes in Flannel. flannel shirts and converse <laughs> stepping on stage and taking all the spots for people that are talented and then going down the back and doing terrible things and while we blend to, to turn our nose we can't do that and they've changed it no uh, that's, that's a really good that's fundamentally started to change that's not perfect still but it's fundamentally changing which is great no I even like i i've never done anything that horrible but i, I always consider myself like a feminist but even looking back on the things that i used to do like uh like back uh like 2006 carl would probably make a lot of homophobic jokes that I would look back now on cringe. Yeah. Uh, I, and I've never I, made I, a homophobic joke on stage, mainly because even before I came out, um, a lot of my friends were, were gay. No, you know? The, the, and I was like, I'm not going to I talk. never thought, like, I, ne- I yeah. never thought that I was being, like, attacking on them until, like, one moment, uh, you know, uh, Mikey from our improv group, mm-hmm. I used, you know, people used to use gay interchangeable with stupid. Yeah. And I used that in front of him, and then I tried explaining my thought process, and I was like, oh, this sounds so dumb to explain this out loud to a gay person that I'm yeah. using a term for you as meaning stupid, but it's not supposed to be offensive. But it's not you. Yeah. But it is you. But it's not you. But yeah, like, I, no. I, my whole point, I, I, I'm, tr- you know, I hope most of the guy, people that will survive this are going to be people that are can adapt to the types that go on and on about cancel culture and shit like that. Go, look, I've made mistakes. I'm seeing the problems that I used to make. As long as they were big, if you were, if, as long as you weren't assaulting people or throwing around the N-word or some shit like that, and yeah. you're adjusting to the times, you can do that. But otherwise, you're, you're fucked. And it's not cancel culture. It's that you can't grow with the times. Yeah, and well, it's, first of all, I call it consequence culture because that's what it is. But honestly, Yeah, that's too, way more what it the is. The people that are being quote-unquote canceled are the people that have done an act and have then tried to spin it in a way that it's not as bad. Yeah. As opposed to just sitting there going, you know what, I did this. I'm a different person now. I recognize that. But like that was something that I did back then, and I don't, I don't think it's great, you know. And I, I, am working to actually be a better person, and there's not enough of that. Yeah, that's. I'm not saying that's the total fix, depending on what you did. No, or what there, you could do. there are lines that if you cross that line, you do not get to come back. Correct. Correct. But like, if someone said like made a Twitter joke, you know, 15 years ago when Twitter was new, or like, huh, I'm not gonna say any because I don't know any, but like, just you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then they go, hey, and it resurfaces as they're you know going up for an Oscar. What they should do is go, hey, you know what? That was something that yeah. I said, and I I don't think that now, and I probably didn't think that then, and I was just an immature person. But I apologize. 
and I'm going to work to do better. Yeah, most of the comedy, especially from when I was coming up and trying to do stuff, was about shocking people. And so people would just do offensive shit. But that wasn't funny. It was just people were shocking people and thought they were getting away with it. And then later on, look back and they might cringe. Mm -hmm. If you're able to look back and see that you did something shitty, apologize for it. If you're not, then get out of the fucking stage. And the things that become shitty come out over time. So it's something that what you said back then, if it didn't get the response at the time, you you might think, I didn't do anything shitty, but you did. You just didn't know it was shitty. Just listen. You just have to listen to people. You gotta listen, and you gotta respect what they say. You know, Let, uh, amplify the voices that need to be amplified, and listen to them when they're uh, when they're at yeah, full volume. Because you don't know beyond your own experiences what things are. So, like, if I'm saying something I don't think is offensive, but then someone tells me who's actually part of that group that is offensive, yeah, it has a little bit more credence in mind. Totally. So. Anyway, that was my my huge rant on oh, okay. <laughs> on, poli- on 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 uh, sexual and gender politics in in uh, the improv scene. Okay, so we were talking about dinosaur. We that's the first. <laughs> oh no, that's a, my first point we were making. <laughs> this happens a lot with me in podcasts. No, it's I, awesome. I'm so sorry, but I go on total. Time I, I I love it. I'm having a good time with this thing. I love mixing in the the serious with the fun. So yeah, oh, you're yeah. all good. You're, you are sticking on tone, Sweet. on brand. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I was watching this show called Ghosts. This is an amazing British show. Uh, you can find it on HBO now. They are oh, making a yeah. remake on on CBS. But let's ignore that and just talk about the British one. Yeah, I had to watch Ghosts because it wasn't on HBO Max. Didn't exist. I had to watch it through like shady websites that would replay BBC shows okay. because you couldn't get the iPlayer in the US okay. at the time. And I could. There's no way to watch. It, it, it was either you know Pirate Bay, which I don't, I don't know how do. you. I don't know how you've heard of Ghosts until HBO Max because I I just found it randomly and thought it looked good. You know why I heard of it was I was watching a. I had found a creative way to get a copy of episode of Doctor Who. Okay. And they had an ad afterwards for this show. And it was like, oh, that's fun. She's talking to the ghosts, and they're not scared. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a sitcom about a lady who lives in a house with ghosts and her dealing with them. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a blanket statement. It's a lot, much more than that, yeah. but it's and a blanket She thing. hits her head at some point, and then all of a sudden she can hear and talk to the ghosts and no one else can. Yeah. And so it's there's an American movie that, not The Sixth Sense, but it's like a comedy, where it's like that's the same plot of it, kind of. Wasn't where, it Ghost Town? Maybe it was Ghost Town. With Ricky Gervais and Greg Kinnear? Uh, it may have been. I don't know if that's the one I was talking oh. about. That's the one where it's like he sees ghosts like everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's she a... technically does too. Right. But there's a one that's like like her whole goal, the the main character's whole goal is helping the people get to like the next life. Oh, Heart and Soul. Is that what it is? Rob Downey Jr.? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah Heart yeah. and Soul. Yeah. Great movie. So, so that's where I got that. I was like, oh, cool. She's not like scared of the ghosts. They're these wacky characters that are really goofy, but she's trying to help them get to the next, yeah. ascend to the next level. All while trying to get this really, really amazing house for super cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I was realizing while I was watching Ghosts is that they can walk through walls and shit like that, uh-huh. but they can sit in seats perfectly fine. They can't yeah. touch something, but somehow ghosts have, like, matter asses where they can sit on things, but they can't... Do- and I, say, I, I don't That's think in they're... everything. That's like if you watch Quantum yeah. Leap, uh, the hologram character will sit in a chair. And all these times, if you ever watch anything like that, why is it that people can go through things and can't physically touch something can sit perfectly fine in Here, a chair? Here's why. I can, I can sort of 
Kind of, maybe. You can explain, explain why, why their asses can sit, but nothing else can touch. Well, I mean, it's the same reason why can they stand on the ground and not? Oh, fall I thought about that too. I thought about that so and, much. And they the should reason just be is, falling forever. The reason is they're not sitting; they're just floating at an angle that's right above the chair. I was going to argue that hurt their <laughs> that hurt their muscles to do that. But they have but no muscles. Yeah, they guess. don't have any muscles. Yeah, so they're just kind of like floating, but they're doing it in the chair so they can feel like a little part. So of resembling the their human life. Exactly. Okay. You know? uh, like the same thing is like, why can't they touch a pen, but they can kind of move it? You know. Well, one of them can. Yeah. I was watching uh, an episode of. Uh, I, I'm rewatching Sailor Moon Crystal because I I, I love Sailor Moon. Uh, it's one of my favorite shows, but I was like, I didn't give Crystal a good enough a chance. It's, it's Crystal is the new version of Sailor Moon they came out with like in 2014 that okay because so until, until you said there was a new version this is all gibberish to me anyway it doesn't really matter you don't have to know anything about Sailor Moon but there was one point where there's a hologram of one of the main characters mm-hmm. uh, and he's like I can't interact with you because my body's in another room and I am I am just a spiritual projection but then a cat walks in and goes oh hey cat and the cat goes Ehh. you know it's like oh but you can interact with the cat okay cool <laughs> You can't cu- hug your daughter, but you can touch the cat. Great. Your theory works for some things. I've seen things like uh, like this crappy movie. I think it's called The Invisible. Okay. Uh, this guy is like teetering between life and death. Yeah. And his soul is outside of his body, and he also does a sitting. But like, has he been gone long enough <laughs> to really think about sitting down like that? And there's tons of things just like that. Yeah. I just think people, directors, don't just want them to be able to sit sometimes, and it makes no fucking sense. So, so you want a movie where the ghosts don't sit. So your ideal of a great ghost movie is like Casper. They can't. Yeah, they can never sit. They just <laughs> Only floating around like that. Just big. You know, That's why in Casper they don't have butts. They don't have they legs. Just, they just turn into little tadpoles at the end. <laughs> they need that. And otherwise, ghosts don't make sense. I don't. It's either the. Ghost butts are made of something. Do you believe in like ghosts? No, I do not. I don't either. <laughs> so like, I I have spent a little bit of time thinking about this, and then I go, I have better things to do than think about whether a ghost a ghost well, is gonna fall through the earth. <laughs> I don't have much of a life. So that's all I think of. Gra- shit like does that. gravity affect a ghost? I I, feel I mean they can like fly, not. so they can't right. It, but I like, don't feel like gravity would affect them that much. Does anything physical affect them at all? Like the wind, the, the wind blow through them. Like, I feel like I feel like for the most part, yes, which fits into the why they can't touch things, except for their asses touch things. Uh, I don't know. I it's there's a lot of question marks with ghosts, and only because like it's the same ghosts and time travel and zombies. Those three things are like. We have a lot of theories as to why things are. It's because you created a thing yeah. that doesn't exist. Yeah. Of course there's going to be time paradoxes. Of course there's going to be, you know, like, can the zombies swim? You know, stuff like that. These questions are like, well, hypothetically they can swim, but they don't. They can't move their muscles in time to do the rhythm. So what they're really doing is just walking under the water and then they hit the bottom. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. They don't have to worry about breathing. Yeah. Uh, I brought this up probably before on this podcast, definitely another one, but when I bring up ghosts, I have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I want a movie from a ghost's perspective because so many horror films, when the person's like walking around the haunted house, you see the ghost like run past in the background. Yeah. I want to know what their thought process, why are they, why are they running past, the, the person walking through the house doesn't see them. Yeah, why are so they? So the ghost is just like, oh, I'm going to scare them, I'm going to walk behind them. What, what's the point of that? Are ghosts more afraid of humans than humans are of ghosts? Do they, do they, <laughs> I feel like they're having fun with it. They're just like, and they're just flying past. What about things like spiders? Did there's, are there spider ghosts? Are oh, there ghosts, there's ghost animals, I've seen that, but like... Okay, there are, because I was going to say, I think a lot of people don't think, that are religious, don't think animals have souls. Right, because all dogs go to heaven, as we've learned from the Don Bluth film, right? Yeah, that's all, <laughs> dogs have souls, but yeah. other than that, nothing else has a soul. <laughs> I and imagine, That film is unwatchable. I imagine if, if you, have, yeah, it's a really bad cartoon, um, but if you have 
no like ability for language, then you have no unfinished business. Yeah. So there's nothing to finish in the world. I don't know. I don't. I. I've, my brain hurts talking about this. I have. <laughs> but give me my ghost movie. Yeah, you can. Ha- let's let's make that Hollywood make that happen. Do a movie from the ghost perspective. Oh, I know the Hollywood listens to this podcast because I once made a statement that they should make a spinoff TV series. Yeah. Of the hotel from the John Wick movies. Yeah. And they are now making a spinoff TV series about the hotel from the John Wick movies. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, they listen to this. Yeah. So, uh, Miss Hollywood, uh, Miss Eleanor Hollywood, president of all Hollywood, can you listen to this entire... Yeah, because, you know... They're going to listen to the whole thing, yeah. They're going to listen to this whole thing and make that ghost movie for, you know... But get anybody you want. You know, you know, resurrect a dead career. Bring back, like, Catherine Heigl or something and, like, her star in it. Yeah, she definitely, <laughs> she definitely got, like... I, and I will admit, I jumped on this bandwagon. She definitely got a bad rap for saying that saying things about Hollywood that turned out to be true. Yeah. Bring bring her back. Bring, yeah, bring back Julia Stiles, too, while you're at it. Make make that a Yeah, where's she been? Last time I remember oh. seeing her was Dexter. Yeah, so... So it's know. been a while. I don't... She never she did She was in the, a couple of the Bourne movies. Oh, yeah, she was. I don't know about the most recent ones, but... Was there more? Oh, yeah, there was two more well, after the well, trilogy. Well, there was... And there's all the Jeremy... There's the Jeremy Renner Bournes, <laughs> yeah. which aren't as good. And then there's the Matt Damon Bournes, which are hit and miss, you know? But As a fan of the book series, I'm not the big fan of the movies, but I own them. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> they are. They need to remake the Bourne series because they didn't do the books at all. Oh, oh. Well, then, cool. Wait, wait. So they made a movie based on a book, but didn't do anything from the okay. books. Okay. So, so they still have properties to do, but they they haven't done any besides the first 20 minutes of the first Bourne movie. Mm-hmm. They aren't the books at all. They took away the big bad guy. That's the overarching through the trilogy, and they the good guys, the bad guys, and then cut out the bad guy. Weird. It's okay. It's bullshit. It, so it I, so I imagine that they probably will redo it because most of the time reboots are in. in vogue. Oh yeah, and it's it's a, it's a popular property. Why not remake it Why with actually having the yeah. correct plot? <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's get on to my next thing. Sure. Okay. So I've been noticing as I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. I relate to people that are portrayed as bad people and things, like the Squidwards of the world. Sure. More than I do, like, the, the Spongebobs, like I used to think mm-hmm. I could relate to. And I started watching uh, the Fantastic Four TV series that came out in, like, the early 2000s, that animated series. Okay. And they make a big deal about how the neighbors in the Baxter building that the Fantastic Four live in are annoying, horrible people because they don't want the Fantastic Four in their building. Yeah. As an older person... I'm on the neighbor's side. The Fantastic <laughs> Four are a menace. And they're selfish as hell. Yeah. Because they're super rich, so they can move out if they want to. Mm-hmm. It's hard for someone else to move out, uh, move all their stuff out if they want to. <laughs> and they are... It's not like they're sitting in their home and bad guys are just attacking them. The Fantastic Four are creating the problems that bring the bad guys to them. Totally. Half these episodes of the show is Reed does an experiment that draws something out from another dimension that attacks the building. Oh, okay. It's things like that. They're they're the danger to the building. They're like, don't do that experiment, Reed. Read a book. You know what, you know what Reed, Fantastic Four? You can live in this building, but you are not allowed to experiment in this building. Oh. And when people complain about it, it's like, oh, those horrible neighbors, the Fantastic Fours are such assholes. <laughs> the minute we no. said Fantastic Four, Lisa Bryan was like, what? <laughs> Reed Richards is an asshole. Oof. All the Fantastic Four are assholes. And this is coming as someone who's read basically every Fantastic Four book. Okay. I love the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. but they are entitled assholes. Yeah. And there's a lot of villains that are I actually don't hate. You know, 
Um, especially the ones that are kind of queer coded, mm-hmm. because a lot of movies will, in the, especially in the early days, were like, oh, "This villain is very, very villainous." But yeah, they'll they throw in a be... they'll throw in a feminine, uh, yeah, vocal like, tone like to Jafar. Them. I was watching a stand up video that that said all all Disney villains are all the, all Disney characters are gay, and especially Disney villains because they I'd say they do it that Jafar way. and Scar kind of have that quality. To yeah, them. and it's like, but I relate to them because I'm like, well, I'm queer, so like. Maybe I, that's me, you know, kind of thing. You know? Okay. But also, I realized it was just completely terrible people making completely terrible movies. But, um, but yeah, that's that's funny. Like some of those villains, you're like, the prime example is when a villain has like an arc in something that is, um, justified. Weirdly. Okay. Yeah. Like like Eric Killmonger in Black Panther. Yes. Like, his name is Killmonger, and poor guy. That's, you know? that's why they, they didn't listen to his point. There's like his last name. Okay, he's a villain. He's like, no, I'm making a good point, guys. Yeah, he he walks into the building and he's like, I'm taking this place over because my this has been terrible. My life has been terrible, and you're doing nothing for it. So I'm making a claim on Wakanda, and you're like, yeah, that's fine. You can do that. You know what, what they always do in the in the situation where the bad guy's point kind of makes sense is they always make him do one thing too far so you could kind of justify yeah. it. Yeah. But it's like, okay, but they're making good points here, so come on. Yeah, we were talking about representation, though, earlier, and for the longest time, the only representation that we had for, you know, for queer people was the villain, or, like, the plucky sidekick. Like yes. The, uh, like the Peter Lorre's uh, uh, characters in, like, Casablanca, you know, you're like, you know, definitely, uh, he's a confirmed bachelor, you know, like, okay, fine, whatever, we, we know what you're trying to do. But he ends up being the bad guy in that movie, too, which is like, come on, I think, not Casablanca. Maltese Falcon. Okay, I I, I, up. I'm so sorry. I was sorry. trying to think because I've only seen Casablanca once. No, no, I was I, trying to follow you, but I couldn't remember any of this. No, stuff. it was Maltese Falcon. Sorry, it was it was one of those Bogart films. Um, I, it's a long day. It's okay, <laughs> but yeah. So I would love no to... editing. It's gonna stay in there, but that's it's fine. okay. This whole rambling that I've been doing for the last hour. You're not rambling. You're doing you're doing a good job. <laughs> believe me. I am ranting. I would have moved sure. on to the next segment. <laughs> I still have stuff to do, and I'm enjoying this. To go back to your point. Yes, sometimes the villain, I do go, you know what, they're right. I'm going to be on the villain side. and uh, I. But sometimes uh, the side characters, like the neighbors in Fantastic Four, I don't think they're villains. I just think that they're getting the shaft, you know? Yeah, they're getting a bad deal, but the audience is supposed to side with the Fantastic Four against them. And it's, it's like, really weird. It's like the guy that just rebuilt the Death Star, and all of a sudden they're like in the middle of building another one. All of his friends got killed in the first one. He's like, well, I mean, it's a living, right? And all of a sudden he comes in and blows up the second one. And I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that one, because it, it's kind of like, well, he was building something for the Nazis, but then he got destroyed. I kind of think it's a little bit different than I, a guy living in a home. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe maybe the the guys in the first one that got blown up, they're like, we don't know what this this empire. They, the empire is the only thing we know. We're not part of this rebellion. We're just doing a job. I know uh, it is a little bit confusing because you look at. Uh, I only recently watched episode three, like maybe two three years ago. Yeah. Because I hated the first two prequels so much, mm-hmm. but like it probably is confusing because the bad guys in the later series are the good guys from the first three prequels. Yeah, so you're like, so you, oh, well, yeah. Anakin's there. You adjust, yeah. you adjust with the time. So Anakin's yeah, you're got right. this fancy suit, so, I mean, I, I sure I'll take the job as a contractor. What do you do, electrical? I can do that, you know? He was hurting, and great medical. They fixed him right up. He's yeah. ready to go. The, the good guys chopped him up. Yeah, I can yeah. see you seeing them as good guys. <laughs> let's go ahead and build that Death Star. Yeah, let's build that Death Star. <laughs> can we do something about the name, though? It sounds like we're bad guys with the Death Star. I, I remember doing an improv scene one time uh, with... It was it was 
in some showcase show. Oh, it was the Star Wars show. Okay. And it was my first Star Wars show, and I wasn't one of the main characters. I later on took on the Han Solo roles. But the first one, me, uh, my friend Cameron, and uh, Tommy, um, we were part of the uh, Tom Seavers. We were part of the uh, the group that they brought in to, like, let's fill in some scenes. Okay. And so the three of us got um, rebel pilot costumes. Okay. And we're just, like, sitting on stage going... Um, Yes, yeah, so you getting? Are you getting dental? My union is not. Oh no, but Union Two Four Five. We uh, we definitely have a good dental plan. And we're just like three like rebel pilots, not talking about Star Wars at all. And it was one of my favorite scenes we've ever done. Well, it's fun to get into ma- ma- the minutia of those universes because let's yeah. face it, they're not always in life and death situations. There's lots of yeah. standing around, and they have personal lives. It's not right. just about killing the the empire or saving the universe. Sometimes it's about like I miss my friend Joey. I want to know who uh, who been. been blue milk who went out there and just said you know what that uh that bantha right over there i'm gonna milk it <laughs> I, you know i gotta say i i wonder all the time about what how we decide which animals we are going to milk here on earth <laughs> yeah I, we, there's just guys going around okay milk no that milk's oh, terrible. terrible let oh. me try out this this goat uh, that's kind of okay but a little sour for me uh, oh this, this milk from this cow oh my, oh my god it's just like baby we milk. found something here this guys is, we're on it wait 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 you can sit and you let it, leave it sit for like three days and do nothing, and all of a sudden it turns to this other meaty substance. I'm gonna call it cheese because mm, cheese that's so good, you know. It's a it's a portmanteau. Yeah, <laughs> I, I probably even have Googled it and forgotten. Like, when did people just find out about? Oh, we can make cheese out of this stuff. Who's the person that figured out beer? Who's the person that was like, ah, this vat of barley and hops and water has been sitting here for literal months? Yeah, I'm you, gonna drink it. Because <laughs> you get like the big things, like ha- like juice and stuff like that. But how do you get down to like the the nitty gritty and the weird side beverages that are not at all natural? Yeah, the ones you have to go through a lot of science to make, but that have been around since time and memoriam and you're like there's no way that you should know how to do this but we did like i get steak sausage is a little bit weird to me yeah yeah let me take all of this stuff that i'm not going to eat in the pig and then shove it into one of the intestines and cook it sounds like a plan to so- me yeah it w- worked out this podcast teaches you how the sausage <laughs> is made no literally <laughs> doesn't teach you how sausage is made Wonders about the sausage and all the other sausages out there and how they're made and just puts it out there for you to think about too really and it's really gross but you know what I kind of want one. <laughs> I like there was a news story that came out uh, like a couple weeks ago that says for every hot dog you take, you eat, it takes like thirty-seven minutes off your life Probably. or something like that. Probably, but like I've still got a, so- uh, a hot dog the next day. I'm like, they're really good. I don't care. Yeah, the whole argument of like taking years off your life and doesn't hold water because you know, by the time I get to that point anyway, like the world's gonna end anyway. So like, might as well take those years off. Unless I'm in the machine <laughs> from Princess Bride, I'm not gonna worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> he said to blame, which means to lie. Anyway, all right. So I got I got one more that I was thinking about. So we're okay. we are going to delve back into the Harry Potter universe because I was just thinking about something. Okay, Harry Potter books are pro gun propaganda. They are the whole story of what's going to solve a bad guy with a gun, a good guy with a gun. It's a school full of people mm-hmm. carrying basically guns, stopping bad guys. Yeah, it's like arm is arm the children. Yeah. It's like, we're, we're going to teach you these terrible spells. All you have to do is just do your hand wave and say these two words, and they'll kill someone. But don't do it! Yeah, don't do it. That, we, we give them the honor system. We give them a machine gun and say, don't shoot your fellow They're, students. But if a bad guy comes up to you, you know, do something about it. And it's cool. Parents are happy about it. Schools have... you got to do it properly, but you... Yeah. yeah. 
It's program propaganda. By the way, there is no possible way that muggles don't know that wizards exist. There's unless, no possible way. Unless they way. are obliviating every five seconds, there's no way. Yeah. yeah, unless they're doing like the whole Men in Black thing, like the, the neuralizer or whatever. Yeah, and by the way, there are people that are going to get away from that neuralizer. Yeah, I mean, how do you not notice a giant-ass train going to Scotland? Like, how do you miss that? Even, yeah. if, even if the platform's hidden, which also, like, if you're doing the plans for that building, you're like... What's this giant platform doing well, on the bottom of 9 and 10? I don't get it. And are they oblivioning everybody as they're doing that, like, over and over again? Because they're running into a, a brick wall. Yeah, they're, and the, yeah, people are around and seeing that this person... It's not just... Until they get through that, it is not just a wizard's place. Yeah, they definitely saw a Ford Anglia fly through the air, 100%. Oh, yeah. Uh, they. I mean, it's hard to say, oh, there's a bunch of, like, flying black things coming through the middle of the thing. And I know that there's... That, you know, little Dursley guy saw one of the, um, one of the... Dementors? Thank you, the Dementors. In that one scene, but like, how do you stop the rest of the neighborhood from going, what, the Scargo Black? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's a ghostly weird thing. Cool. It's sucking that boy's life. Okay. Neat. Yeah, well, I guess I'll go get some sausages now. <laughs> at, at least freaking like, uh, I read the Percy Jackson books. At least in those, they actually give an explanation for why people don't, don't see those things. Harry Potter, they just go like... They don't notice. Yeah. That's good enough. We did our job here. Yeah. Enjoy oh, and, your guns. Also, and also, too, like, the, the world is so close to together that, like, why does muggle stuff completely baffle and surprise every wizard? Or oh, yeah. <laughs> like, why? You, sure, we were walking through a human street to, or a muggle street in order to get to Diagon Alley, mm-hmm. but uh, we don't know what that stuff is. Mm, I'm going to eat this bread that was created by muggles. Mm, I wonder how they did it. Oh, a toaster? What? Oh my good God! Who created this? This is magic. And I'll say something: we Muggles got on them wizards. They don't have TV. It looks like I've never seen a TV in their house. Not Why one. can't they watch TV? Yeah, so many books. But I'm, like, I'm, I'm not going to be a wizard if I cannot watch my Netflix. There is a lot of uh, there. One of my friends does a podcast. I, he he hasn't done it in a while, um, but it's it's um, he's a lawyer, <laughs> but he's also like a, an improviser and a really fun guy. And he basically does a critique of the entirety of the Harry Potter books. Okay. And it's like, uh, because like, like, I didn't like Harry Potter, but I was bored. So I want to talk about every single book. <laughs> and listening to that podcast, you realize how bad of a writer J.K. Rowling really is in terms of like plot holes and in terms of like making things make sense. And a lot of like hand wavy stuff. Like, oh, yeah. don't worry about that. It's fine. Um, I yeah, it's Darren attempts to listen to Harry Potter is the podcast name. It's very good. He hasn't done it in a while because you know he probably doesn't want to anymore. So also only seven books, so it's only so much you can do with that. I waited in line for the last book in New York. Okay, I was at the the Barnes and Noble that was in the Upper West Side waiting in line for it to come out because I was like, probably have nothing better to do. I was working at a warehouse music, and for some reason, we were selling that book at midnight. Why? I don't know. First of all, rest in peace, warehouse music. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the warehouse was like a prime location for any video buying, especially in the early days of DVD. And definitely a good place to get CDs. That's where I got most of my music taste. This is not an but advertisement because they don't exist They don't anymore. exist anymore. Well, they're now FYE. They turned into that, which At, some exist. Eh, the one in Fullerton... Uh, went out of business and I was very sad because that's where I got a lot of my pop figures oh from. no maybe they oh no I think you have never mind there's still one in Ontario there's still a couple left but, but they're, they're basically dead they're falling apart which is sad because they had a lot of really good um, used stuff yeah but uh, yeah so we were open midnight people dressed up as wizards and stuff like that to buy a, one book we don't sell we didn't sell any other books <laughs> to sell one book at, at warehouse music it was fucking weird well you know you gotta make that money somehow so 
Yeah, they didn't make enough of it. They should have sold more books. That's sure. that's the lesson yeah, of this. Yeah, if they had a warehouse books, they'd still be alive. Yeah, that because bookstores are super popular. Bookstores survived. I don't know how, how uh, <laughs> Barnes and Noble is still around because I don't know when the a lot of them closed. But I still I know of two in my in my general area. Barnes and Noble sells more than books though. Like they, they do. A lot of them have like DVD sections and music sections and game sections. And but stuff. No, none of those things are doing that well. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's baffling right. to me. I mean, but you know, you have a lot of money. And uh, games did close but a lot games of are like selling up and like you could buy your game off your console now. You don't even need to leave your home. Oh, I'm talking about board games. Oh, okay, yeah. And which you can buy off of Amazon, but like here's the thing about board games on Amazon. Uh, sometimes they don't send you a real copy. They send you like a, a knockoff. Really? Yeah, I got a knockoff copy of the game Dominion when I bought it on Amazon because it was like 20 bucks. I was like, that seems like a good price. And I bought it and like the card quality was all screwed up and I'm, and I read up on it and they're like, yeah, a lot of the times the people selling this stuff will just the people that work at the game factories mm-hmm. in like the other countries, like say China for example, right? They'll they'll make the game and they'll take the molds home with them and make like their own molds for the stuff and then like sell that stuff on Amazon. So you could get the real game, you could get a knockoff version of it that doesn't have all of the rules or there might be pieces broken or whatever. Oh, and so it's like really tough. So that's why the only reason I don't just buy all my games on Amazon because it's like you don't know if you're getting the right one. <laughs> you really the, don't. The only reason I go to uh, Barnes & Noble still and I don't buy anything for there so I'm terrible for the company. Mm-hmm. I browse through there because sometimes it's easier than going through online. Look for books I want write them down or take a picture or something like that and then buy it for my Kindle. I it's funny, I actually there was a book I really wanted to read. It was it was called Summer Fun and it was uh, the book is awesome. It's essentially the story of the if Brian Wilson was a trans woman. Okay. And so like it's I, from set in like the set in like the sixties but also the night it's it's a really good book if you're interested in in trans literature but also the Beach Boys. Um, check it out. But anyway, I wanted to read it and I went on Amazon, it was like twenty bucks. I'm like, <clears throat> I don't want to spend twenty bucks on this. So I was like, where can I read this? And I found out that there's, like, if you have a library card, there are websites where you can download the ebook for free. Overdraft is the one I used. I used a mix of Hoopla and uh, the Anaheim Public Library's version of that. Which okay. Was like ebook library or something like that. But yeah, so I was like, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to buy a book again. <laughs> I don't have room for books on my bookshelf. So, like, uh, <clears throat> I will help somebody if they're an author. I'll be like, I'll buy your book to help you out. Yeah. But, like, I didn't want to pay money to read that book. <laughs> I want to just read it. So now that's how I read my books is I do it through the library because I have a library card. No, I, I went through a phase like that. I don't know because at least with the one I was using, you have to, like, wait for – like, they have a certain amount of digital copies that they give out. You have to wait for that. And I have to – Yeah. I, I like to read things at a certain time. I very much – okay, here's a weird thing I do. I have rotations. Okay. And certain things come up on my rotation. So there's a ter- certain time where I'm able to read a book. Okay. And so, like, that didn't work for me. Okay. I, I don't read a lot of books. I'm not a huge book reader anymore. I was, but I'm not because of time. Because when I read a book, I only do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't multitask out. So I don't go and, like, I'll read a book while I'm making dinner. Or I'll well, no, that's dinner. terrible. Yeah. So I sit and read the book, but, like, I don't have, like, I can't go, I'll read this for an hour because I'm like, well, I'll just keep going. And I'm reading the book until, like, 2 or 3 in the morning until I finish it, right? And then that's all I've done the entire day. I've wasted oh, so the you, whole day. So you don't, you don't like, because I will definitely turn off everything except for my book. Maybe a fan to drown out any mm-hmm. noise. 
But like I'll you know read a couple chapters a day. I won't read the whole thing. Can't, you can't you can't do I, I that. I can't do that. It's it's an all or nothing thing for me. It's like I read the whole book or I read none of it. So like, you're definitely it. not gonna read anything too long then. <laughs> thousand page book. But I have. You read thousand page books. I have. It depends on the book because some okay. books are big like big page wise, but they read really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, like the original, like Ready Player One was like that. That was like okay. a four hundred page count. Something like that. Yeah, I read that in like three hours. Like I just crushed it. Right. It just depends on the book. The Harry Potters were actually like that too. I read a lot of those really quickly too. But, um, but sometimes, you know. And honestly, if it's a if it's a slow read, mm-hmm. I probably won't pick it back up. Like I I don't want to spend the time on that. But then again, I'll spend like five hours on TikTok every day. So like things are oh. my my life is screwed up. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Things are things are off. And that's just purely because I've checked out. And I'm like, well, okay, all I've... right. All right. My wife loves TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's one of her favorite things. Constantly, like, if we're, if we're lying in bed together, she'd go like, want to watch TikToks with me? Do not get it. I've tried so hard. I don't I don't get it. It's the only thing I agree with Trump on, to shut down TikTok. I mean, it's... it's Just one, for my sanity, because I want it out of the house. It is a terrible website and a terrible app run by terrible people. It is the most transphobic website I've ever been on. Really? Yeah. But there's also the largest collection of trans creators in any platform so i watch it really just to follow up with those folks no and it's i get really I, I kind of a nice of way and, I, and also i'm part of that community because i create tiktoks yeah. too so like people follow up with me and i follow okay. up with them and it's actually really nice but also you realize oh they are definitely coming after us <laughs> like they really don't like trans people um so it's it's kind of a double-edged sword it's like i wish there was another platform that all the trans folks can go to that i can get off of tiktok mm-hmm. and watch their stuff there but there isn't, so yeah. it's like you take the good with the bad, I guess. I mean, so much of just the internet is toxic. Yeah, and what what it really is, honestly, it's not that the the app itself is not. It's when somebody goes on there and reports something for mm-hmm. whatever reason, their response is to take the video down. Okay, so people are reporting trans videos. Yes, and it's garbage because they they're offended by it because it offends their sensibilities. Right. For some stupid fucking reason. Or even they're just anti-trans and they're like, oh, you're a trans person. Law uh, report, report, report. And if you get enough of those, they delete your account. Oh, that's so. Fucked. There's a lot of a lot of people that are like on their third or fourth TikTok account because their old accounts have been deleted. Sometimes with like hundreds of thousands of followers. I just like, never understood that that thought process. Where okay, even if you're you're a person who doesn't believe that trans is real, why can't you just leave them alone? Yeah, well, yeah. I that is something I wonder every day. Is like, why does it matter that I exist? Why does it matter so hard to you? I'm not going to change your kids into trans people. You're not going to be able to change someone's kids into a trans person. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. The only thing is if, if someone sees me and goes, she's awesome, I'm going to, you know, maybe that inspires something in me. Guess what, Nancy? They were already trans. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. With more representation, people are saying like they're seeing more gay people, more trans people, and yeah. stuff like that. All it's doing is allowing people to come out of the closet. Yeah. They see more, and then the good thing about more rep- representation is not propaganda. No. What it is doing is letting other people see, be more comfortable in their skin, and letting more people, the kids that, if, if okay, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. we didn't, I didn't even know what trans person was. So like it would probably threw me off at first when I first saw it. But if kids are growing up. With that, it's just a normal thing. They're not going to even think about it. It's just going to be, there's trans people. Yeah. And that's what representation does. It just makes it more so people aren't surprised by things. They just accept it. Absolutely. And, and that's the best part. I mean, for 50, 60 years ago, we didn't see black people on TV. Yeah. 
Unless they were like the help or yeah. something shitty like that. It's like Gone with the Wind. A woman won an Oscar for a super racist role. Yeah. And so now now we're getting... I mean, even just now, and we're just starting to get that point where we're getting those representation roles onto big screens and people of color are getting spot. Trans people are starting to get spots. Like, mm-hmm. we're starting to get out there. Yes. But it's still not there yet. It's still taking a long time because there are so many people like these people on TikTok that are like, I don't like this for whatever reason. I'm skeezed out by you. So I'm going to report you. I'm going to make you. And then TikTok goes, oh, they must be doing a bad thing. They got yeah. reported by five people. Delete. So this brings me to something I wanted to ask you about. Something I, I like to, something I see in people that I want to be guests on my show is uh-huh. people that are very outspoken about certain issues. Sure. I've noticed you're very vocal on uh, on Facebook. Uh, you just had this whole rant about uh, why the last man yeah, and uh, got a lot of shit for that, by the way. Don't yeah. care. Don't, I don't care. care. You have true. your opinions, but so I wanted to know uh, what are your thoughts on as a whole on how Hollywood or entertainment is doing in general with trans representation? Uh, it's there's some now, which is better than there was ten years ago. Um, there's a great movie that I actually can't get through because it's too hard for me, but okay. I recommend every every single person that's a cis person watches it's called disclosure it's on netflix it's written by it's written and performed by a bunch of trans women and it's 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 a documentary okay Um, laverne cox did it okay from orange is a new black in case you're trying to put a face to that yes um and what she has done is she's gone through and taken like all of the media from hollywood for the past like 70 years Mm -hmm. and so like this is how trans people are portrayed take a look at what they're doing to us like the prime example, the best example of a horrible treatment of trans people is the movie Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yes. Um, that the, has not aged well at all. And it, unfortunately, that's the movie that made me want to be an entertainer. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's sad because the poor the poor trans person, and yes, Einhorn is a trans woman. Yeah. <laughs> I No matter what you say, Einhorn is a trans woman that is yeah. just trying to live out her new life because a traumatic experience came out and she's moved on. Yeah. And the scene where uh, where Ace Ventura is like, I kissed Einhorn, therefore I kissed a man. First of all, no, you didn't. You kissed a woman. Fuck mm-hmm. yourself. Second of all, even if you did kiss someone that wasn't your thing, the response is not to burn your clothes and put no. a toilet plunger to your face, you giant asshole. Like, no, I agree. Like, we're not going to give you cooties if you kiss us. I'm sorry. Like, you're not getting a disease from us just because no. we exist. Trans women, for the most part, in, in the history of all, in entertainment, have been the punchline. Yes. It's, it's garbage. It's garbage, but it's been tolerated... Because trans people were afraid to say that they were trans. So yes. they weren't going to go out and go, well, I don't think that's right. I don't know, Billy. Are you a trans person? No. You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's that kind of Oh, shit. especially growing up in the 90s and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Masculinity was such a big thing. Like, if you didn't do this, oh, you're a girl. It was such an insult yeah. to somebody. I came out at 35 years old. 35. Well... I started coming out slowly at 35, and then I came out into the full at 38. You start, okay, you started coming out at 35. Yeah, okay. when I was 38, that's when I really came out to the public. But like, I started telling people around age 35. And um, the only reason I waited so long, because I knew way before that, was because I was afraid that people were going to disown me, mm-hmm. that people were, I would become the butt of people's jokes. I... You know, and then I it only later realized that like the people that disown me, I don't care about anyway, and the people that treat me as a joke, uh, are terrible people, and yeah. they, and 
by and large, the amount of support that I've gotten is way outweighed the amount of ridicule. The only ridicule I get is from people that don't know me. Okay. And honestly, I don't even get that much of that. I'm lucky. So Hollywood needs to res- understand that we exist just like any other group of people exist. We're not a joke. We're not a danger. So don't make us the villain. Don't make us the butt of your jokes. Just treat us like a normal person. And and I think the big problem is that they don't know how to put a trans yeah. person on, on screen. Um, because they've gone so long where that has been the only representation that it's it's almost like the whole you know Will and Grace thing. It's like we want to put gay people on TV, but we don't know how. So we're gonna make them flamboyant as hell, mm-hmm. as opposed to it's to the point where like I have friends that are not flamboyant. They're gay, but they're not flamboyant, and they were like, "Yeah, that's not all gay people. That is maybe that one gay person, but you are treating it as like all gay people." So what they need to do is like you could have a character, honestly, that's in a in a movie, in a show, in a cartoon, even that's like. We find out some way in their past they were identified differently as from birth, you know, and that makes that person canonically trans, but they're still just going to do what they do. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge deal. Yeah, it's not a big point of their purpose. So oh, what do, yeah. So what do you think? Uh, okay, so I was a big fan of uh, the the game The Last of Us Two. Do you know anything about that game? I the only thing I know about it is there's some people that did voices that I really love. Okay. <laughs> so there is a big trans plot in the second one. Okay. Uh and I thought they cast a trans trans actress to play a, mm-hmm. oh no sorry, got it backwards. Trans actor to play this character. Okay. And in the so there was a controversy that came out with this, and I'm not expecting you to speak for all trans people, just for yourself. And I've never played this game, so I have okay. no form of reference, but yeah. So this person's this character, you find out that they're trans when they're dead named. And a lot of people were mad that they even put that in the game, but I thought, it was, for me as a as a as a as a cis white male, mm-hmm. I just I thought it was part of their story that the trauma and stuff that made them go this way is that they were dead named. Then the good guys didn't do it; it was bad people that are trying to kill them because they're trans. Yeah, were dead naming them. What's your thought on this being being in a game? Well, they were they were trying to kill them because they were trans. There, there's like this whole cult that seemed to that took they, they, it was based around this woman that was very. Um, Accepting of something, then she died, and they turned into like a super religious cult, and it perverted her image. Basically, it was a whole take against religion, and they wanted to kill this one character, and one of the lead was protecting this this trans person. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, her storyline was she went from a hard person to a better person, protecting this trans character, and so they were trying to kill him because he was a trans man. I guess it depends on the message that you're trying to send with that. That would determine how I feel about it. Okay. Because dead naming does happen. Yes. A lot. I I mean I don't deal with it as much because honestly a lot of people that I hang out with now, um, don't I didn't know when I was the other name. But for people who I, don't say this really, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> okay, say that. that's yeah. what I was gonna say. I was gonna explain what because I just realized I used the term oh, okay, people might yeah. not know. Okay. Dead naming is using the name that they were first given. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of a, it's weird because I didn't hate my old name. My old name is very unique. It was very, you know, and you didn't see it a lot. And I didn't hate it, but I started to dislike seeing it because it meant if someone's using that, then they don't honor the fact that I've mm-hmm. changed it, you know? Yeah. And that's that's one of those things where it's like, not all trans people hate their old names, but they hate what the old name represents. Okay. And so that's why it becomes such a big sticking point. That's why I changed yeah. it. Some trans people don't change their name or they'll just do a, a feminized version of it. Yeah. You know, they'll, they will, they will become Jane 
when they were assigned the name John or something, you mm-hmm. know, some variant of it. And that's fine. It's, it's all person to person. There is, this is, this is actually tying well into Hollywood. It's like, there is no universal experience for that, any group. That's why I want to make it very clear. Period. I wasn't asking you to speak for all trans people. Yeah. And so my, my journey is different from a lot of people, yes. but also, um, my opinions about certain trans uh, things are going to be different from all trans people. So, of course. So that's why I was like, uh, the only way I can really judge the Last of Us thing is like, how is it being treated? And it sounds like it's they're they're speaking very highly of the trans person and and the person that's doing the evil act is the villain in it. Yes. So in that respect, while it does suck that they are being dead named in it. I understand why they're using that in that context, and I can I can go with that. I can get behind that. Yeah, uh, my thought again, not not as valid as yours, but my thought was that these things happen, and in telling these stories, as long as you tell it respectfully, and they use yeah. a trans actor to pu- mm-hmm. to put this person, I thought they did something that this would happen. Yeah, and uh, they did it as respectfully as possible. If they were using it as a punchline, mm-hmm. or even if they if they didn't cast a trans person to play this person, yeah, I think it'd go a different direction. So there there are two things in Hollywood that happen a lot with a trans character. One, they get a cis person to play it. That is number one, the worst thing you could do. Yes, like I mean the fact that. You know, we had uh, Eddie Redmayne playing Lily Alba and the Danish girl is, like, ridiculous. So, like, there mm-hmm. are hundreds of thousands of millions of trans people out there. And you're telling me you, there's none of them that are actors and you couldn't go find one that could play this part effectively? Mm-hmm. You had to... I mean, I know that Red Redmayne gets a box office drop, but, like, maybe don't make the movie if okay. that's what you're going to do. Um, so, like, they... Because also, there's no way for that particular actor to know our story in any capacity because yeah. they don't have those feelings they don't can't tap into what we can tap into yeah like like i could talk to you about your experience and maybe yeah. get like a better understanding than i had before but right. i'm never gonna know what it's gonna be like to walk in your shoes right and that's probably eddie redmayne probably went like probably i, I would guess because he's a good actor he probably did interview trans women and get that thought process but no he he didn't uh he doesn't know it yeah hollywood is afraid to cast trans people as trans actors that that is a big thing that's starting to slow down with yeah the other thing is a lot of stories that are not comedic they're not jokes but they're like like a drama that's about a trans person the trans person's story is almost always sad like we're yes. almost always tragic characters when even when like we're not like the villain or we're not like the person being mocked we it they're the message is like well this person's sad because he's trans mm-hmm. and so even though he wasn't born a he he was trans and that makes him sad yeah and it's like that's that's not the message you know we're just people i just do stuff i yeah the fact that i'm trans is irrelevant to whatever i'm doing in my life sometimes but yet it can't ignore it because it is a constant thing that i'm being told it i've heard about that there's a movie uh with kristen no, it wasn't trans it was a gay story but kristen stewart and uh, a few other people came out uh dan levy it came out uh, mm-hmm. like happy christmas i think it was called or something like that yeah came out uh pretty recently and i, I watched it i, I like that show. i love that movie yeah. and then i heard so many people say they can't watch so many uh lgbtq people that said they couldn't watch it yeah. because so many stories <laughs> if they involves a gay person as a lead it's about coming out and just reliving that trauma for yeah. them. And that's what we do a lot of time. Because as a person like me, sitting and watching it, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I never knew what it was like. It's it, I want to see these stories. I, I get I get into this stuff, but I'm not thinking about 
this from another perspective. And I heard about that. I still love that movie, but I think it is kind of messed up the way too many of these stories are about that kind of it's, experience. It's, there's a there's a trope in in Hollywood for films, and it's called it's. I mean, I'm getting crass, but this is what it's called. It's called bury your gaze. That's what it's called. And what that means is, and it's a horrible horrible thing that screenwriters do, is like you have a character that is queer or trans or whatever, and no matter what you do with them, most of the time they end up dead. And it's because you've chosen to bury your gaze. And it's like, instead of doing that, maybe don't do that. Maybe don't don't kill off that character. <laughs> you know, yeah. Let them survive and let them live. Let the little kid in the theater who might be trans see that person thrive mm-hmm. doing something amazing as like the CEO of a company or something so that they can go, hey, this is all right. I'm fine. I'm not a terrible person. I'm not broken. I'm not wrong. I'm just a person like everybody else. That's the representation we yeah. in Hollywood. And that is not happening right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, even Hollywood, like, even when they're being more open with allowing that stuff to happen, like, there is there is a hierarchy of what they're on. Like, they will show two pretty women being lesbians. Mm-hmm. They have not that much of a problem with that. Uh, but, like, Billy Eichner is doing a big rom-com gay movie coming up. And I don't remember ever seeing a romantic comedy with two male leads going for this. That's ne- in my lifetime, at I mean, least big budget hasn't happened. I mean, I've seen it, but there's never been big budget. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they That's do what I was exist. Gonna say. They, but... Oh, I'm sure they exist, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, you get the big names out there and you do a big theatrical release. It's not a thing. And we're, yeah. we're in 2021 You end up with a movie like, right I pronounce you Chuck and Larry, and we're like, oh my God, why are you doing this, Adam Sandler? Why are you doing this? You know? Yeah. Well, because I'm telling her to make good movies. <laughs> no, not in a while. But anyway, no. but that's but yeah, I I think this the two things that stand out about the last the thing you told me about this game and I haven't played it is the fact that one they're burying their gaze because she she dies. No. Oh, she doesn't die. No. Spoiler alert. This okay, character is good. one of the best characters and survives. Okay, but it's it's he dies. So the character is a trans man. Trans man. Okay, so he dies. He doesn't. Wait, he doesn't he di- die. He doesn't die. He, he survives. survives. And. Uh, but his story is a tragic story. Yes. Mm, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Why? Yeah. I guess the whole story is a tragic story. Oh, it is not a fun game. It's like it's a really good game, but it's not fun. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I can't. I can't honestly make an assessment on a thing I haven't seen or. Played. I understand. So, like, I don't know what's going on. Okay. But fair. But from what you've told me, I would like. I was just thinking, like, maybe do something fun with them and have a have an important thing. Maybe maybe you could mention the fact that they're trans, but then just have them go fix they the are, thing. Or they are more than the, like. There's a lot of story in there. They are more than just the trans character. That's a side plot. They do a lot of stuff in that. That character does a lot of stuff in that game. Then the, it sounds like it's a pretty good representation of, okay. of our trans media. Then From based on what, what you've heard. But I have yeah. I have no yeah. frame of reference, so yeah, yeah. I can't definitively. Say no, that. I don't want. I'm not gonna throw up a poster and say, <laughs> "Holly Scott says this." Yeah, Holly Scott says this is my thing. Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah. Holly Scott speaks for all trans women. I don't, and it's not even a trans woman in the game. I I was I was uh, trans people. You're right. Yeah, I and I, I only said that because I haven't played the game. I have no idea who the character is, and I assumed incorrectly uh, that the person in the game. Was a trans woman because because that's what you're you're expecting now. Yeah. yeah, but I I'm I so cool now I know awesome. All right, so let's get into entertainment news. Okay. All right. We, well, let me let me take a moment to just decompress no. a little. Do, bit. do you need to take a break or get a drink of water or anything like that? We can uh, pause. I would love a drink of water. Yeah. All right. We will be right back after these. You won't even notice it. No messages. 
And we're back, and hopefully you didn't even notice. I okay. hope you bought all those products. What product? Oh, yeah, the products the they ads. said were going to be in the ads. Because we, we're getting this episode sponsored, we, so... Definitely. Right? Right? Is that yeah. okay? Yeah, Nathan's Hot Dogs are sponsoring us now. Can I just Nathan's say, Hot Dogs, like, take 20 minutes off your life. I People on the East Coast have started to call hot dogs glizzies now. Glizzies? Yeah, and I can't get behind a glizzy. <laughs> I can't. I love that name. It's a it's, terrible it's name. Not, but I mean, It's a terrible name for a terrible product, but it's like, glizzies? No. I kind <laughs> of, like, it's so bad, I kind of want to call it that, but ironically... But I feel like if I started doing that ironically, it would then just turn into the norm for me, and then people wouldn't know what the hell I'm talking. Glizzies? Is that really a thing? Yeah. Like I don't know if that there's a certain type of hot dog that's a glizzy, or like if all hot dogs are glizzies. But like I see a lot of videos from people on the East Coast going, "I'm gonna have myself a glizzy and a coke and call it a day." See, I'm like, like, what is a glizzy? I feel like if I looked up glizzy without safe search on, I'd get something I didn't want to see. You know, my, yeah, so I I personally, I will stick with hot dog. I I I think I'm going to stick with that, yeah. Uh, Like, Glizzy the Good Witch can stay in Oz for all. (laughs) Unless uh, Nathan's Hot Dogs wants to change his sponsorship name to Nathan's Glizzies, then we are all about Nathan's Glizzies here. I have a feeling that it comes from something that is uh, like a a deeper thing that I don't understand. And that's why I'm not going to be like, I'm going to switch to Glizzy because it could mean something different and I'd be like appropriating language that I don't mm-hmm. know but I just like like a lot of people are saying it I was just in New York last month and they're like the hot dog stands were like get a glizzy and I'm like no <laughs> what's a glizzy <laughs> I don't like it I don't want it <laughs> alright so let's get into entertainment news first right. story I think I have to cover this story because if you know me you know I am a big fan of Bond oh yeah, uh, yeah. No, no Time to Die is coming up in October, okay. uh, and Daniel Craig recently there was a video release of him giving this emotional speech, and in his speech he's he's choking up as he says, "I have loved every single second of this," and I have to call bullshit. Fuck no, you did not enjoy it. If in interviews you were going on and talking about how I would rather slip my wrists, this is my Daniel Craig, oh. I would rather slip my wrists than play this character again. I gotta say bullshit. Okay. You did not love every second of it. Don't you lie to me. You were a great Bond actor, but don't give me I love this every second of this bullshit that you're saying out there. Slitting your wrist is pretty dramatic about playing a character who everybody wants to be. I like, I, I've liked his Bond movies, but like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe he's just saying that for like politics or whatever. I mean, not that you have to. You've already played, done the movies. It's not like you yeah. can't, not going to get cast as Bond again. Yeah. I don't. You could say I enjoyed this experience, but every second, come on, we all we have memories. Yeah, everyone. But then I'm I'm he's in the minority for a while though, right? He's been doing it since uh, 2006. I want to say was that uh, November 2006? That wasn't no time to uh, Casino Royale. Yeah, I was a Casino Royale. Casino Royale, factually the greatest movie ever made. Then Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. Then. Spectre, and then this new one coming out. Wait, okay, so first of all, I saw Spectre. I didn't, that was the one that starts off in, in Mexico, right? In yes, Mexico. great beginning. Yeah. Uh, Spectre was fine for me. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of Bond films. I'm not, I'm not going to attack you for your opinion. You're allowed to have your opinions. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not a Bond, I'm not a Bond girl. I mean, I would love to be a Bond girl. You can hire me as a Bond girl <laughs> if you want. Um, but I'm not into James Bond films as yeah, much yeah. as some people. I've seen some of them. I know the story about a lot of them. I read a couple of the early books by Ian They're good books, but some stuff does not hold up no. well. I could do without ever seeing uh, Sean Connery in a you know, hot pants ever again, but yeah, mm-hmm. that image seems to pop up whenever people are talking about Bond. 
So, uh, but I, I did get into the Brosnan Bonds. That was my gateway into it. Those ones, because I played Goldeneye. We all played Goldeneye, right? Yeah, Friend's House. I never had an N64, but I, I uh, played at Friend's House. I played yeah. at Friend's House too. And like, the Goldeneye was great. Um, the World is Not Enough was uh, average. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, he has two good films, one mediocre and one terrible. Wait, what's, what do you, I want to know what you consider. Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies are great. Okay. World's Not Enough is fine. It's fine. It's just Die fine. Another Day is embarrassing. That <laughs> is so bad. But you know what? Uh, that's the one with Holly Berry, right? Yes. She's not the worst part of that movie. Oh, she is. It's not her fault. It's her dialogue. She has one of these lines that stuck with me forever and I can never erase it from my head. Mm-hmm. They're doing That scene is fill, filled with tributes to old Bond films because it's a 20th film. Oh, okay. And so they're doing a tribute scene to Goldfinger where they have him on the, on the table and, and lasers are going up to them. Uh-huh. And she's the one getting lasers instead of Bond. Mm-hmm. And the bad guy says... Who sent you? And her line is one of the cringiest things in Hollywood dialogue I've ever heard. Or maybe it's not Hollywood because it's British. Yeah. It is, your mama. And she wants me to tell you she's very disappointed in you. That's terrible dialogue. <laughs> that is cringy as hell. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. What was... Okay, so who was the person that was in... Uh, I think it's World of Not Enough. And her name was like... Christmas Jones or something like that? Christmas Jones. And there's a great line at the end of the movie where Bond's in bed with her. I thought Christmas only came once Once a year. year. I remember that. (laughs) That's bad dialogue. Who was that actress that played... That was Denise Richards. It was Denise Richards. She was a nuclear physicist. (laughs) Dr. Christmas Jones. Hey, look, I'm all about holiday names. I named myself Holly, for fuck's sake. But Christmas Jones is a bit too far. Yeah. Then that's like that's like a throwback to like uh, Three's Company, where it's like her name was Chrissy Snow, but it was Christmas Snow. Oh, <laughs> that's I her character name. Didn't so even think character. about that. Yeah, that is another show that did not age well. No, no, sir, didn't. Sure, did not age well. But anyway, uh, so so speaking of Bond, then if Daniel Craig is no longer bonding, uh, do we know who the new Bond is? There's so many theories out there. Is uh, it, I just keep hearing it's always. It's, is, is Idris Elba for everything? Like, Idris Elba is like, he's the new Doctor. Uh, Idris Elba is the new Bond. I don't like, think it's going to be Idris Elba. <laughs> Idris Elba wants to. He, he said he doesn't want to, and people don't care. They throw him in the mix anyway. Yeah, I know they want people want to see, but he's like, stop putting me in these yeah. parts. Well, I don't want to do it. He, he, the way he said it is... He, he was great in Suicide Squad, by the way. Yes, he was. Very, very good. What he said, I understand his viewpoint in this, he doesn't want to be the black James Bond. Yeah! He want, If he was Bond, he wanted want to be Bond, but if he wasn't, that's all he would be. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to be that that role, so I, I get that. that yeah. Cause that that'd be annoying. Yeah, to, have to deal with that. But uh, so who do you who do you think has odds right now in, in taking over the role? Because uh, you know they're doing more. Yeah, oh, of course they're doing more. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one's gonna be weird because also before Daniel Craig, James Bond never had a character development. He was always a static character beginning to end. Of the and film. everybody else develops around him, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, really, none of the movies have much character development. <laughs> I love him for the style. Right. But Daniel Craig is all. This has been an arc. This has been a story arc the entire time. All the movies connect. Mm-hmm. All, all of it's surrounding his, his upbringing, him becoming the Bond that we know and love. Okay. So it's gonna be weird seeing now. It's actually gonna be harder to recast him because they're now recast. Not just they're not just doing a mold. They're doing a full on person. They're recasting. Oh, okay. Uh, that being said, they throw in a lot of names. Tom Hardy is high on the list. Do not want him. Yeah. Do you do you put a name in that spot? N- not in my opinion. I, I think you put a medium level name. That's why 
Like I, Timothy Dalton or Pierce Brosnan work because they were before before Brosnan was Bond, he was like Remington Steele. Yeah, like he already played a Bond esque character, and that was all he was known for. Yeah, you know? and there's tons of people like that. You know, I have someone I want in mind. Okay, but the, he has never even been thrown around. Dan Stevens. I don't know who that is. Do you ever watch Downton Abbey? No. Do you ever watch Legion? No. Do you ever watch the remake of Beauty and the Beast with live action? No. <laughs> I'm okay. so sorry. Then you You're missing, missing all of my, point, my but, plot points. But actually, this is great because this is my whole point. Mm-hmm. He's not that well known. He's done some small things and has his fans, mm-hmm. but he's not that well known. I think he did the audiobook. If you If you buy the audiobook of Casino Royale, yeah. he reads the book. Oh, okay. And hearing that, he did such a perfect job. He's not super well known. I think he could disappear in that role and be a brilliant job. But no one's throw him out there. So, so clearly Bond has a couple things that Bond has to be. Bond has to be some form of British or Scottish or Welsh. Oh, he's been Australian once. Yeah, but we don't... Are you talking about Lazenby? Yes. We don't talk about Lazenby. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I say you don't talk about Moore. Moore's terrible. Roger Moore? Roger Moore's the worst oh, Bond, by far. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. the worst Bond ten includes Woody Allen, but we won't. We don't count the TV Not series. The, <laughs> no, it was a TV series. It was a movie. Was it? It was a. It was a. It was, they basically okay. We're getting so off topic here, but I gotta explain this. Okay, no, we're not talking about Bond. So it's all about Bond. So in 1950, uh, this this company made a made-for-TV movie for Casino Royale, black and white, starring I think his name was Barry Nelson, where yeah. James Bond was a, a American spy named Jimmy Bond. Oh yeah. Uh, and they got the rights to that. So after uh, they started developing the movies, MGM did not have the rights to Casino Royale because of that made-for-TV movie. Right. Another company did. So this company, once Bond got big, decided to make their own James Bond movie of Casino Royale, but they weren't allowed to make it too close to the Bond films because then it would be uh, encroaching on their rights. Uh So they were allowed to make comedy. So they made a comedy Bond movie called Casino Royale, which had people <laughs> at Ursula Andress and a few other people that had been in Bond movies in it before. And then it also had Woody Allen and a bunch of other people. Okay. Where, this is before they ever cast anyone else as James Bond. There were several James Bonds in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> which is crazy, because Sean Connery was still Bond. It was not Lazenby yet, so it was ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it is a bad movie. Yeah, okay. Not as bad as the black and white one, but still pretty bad. <laughs> I think I could see a James Bond that's from the Commonwealth countries. Like, maybe a Canadian Bond. I can't see it unless you have an accent at least somewhat sounding British. Uh, but Australia's not British. It sounds close enough that I can't tell a difference. That's that's racist. Anyway. <laughs> it may be, but I can't tell a difference. Okay, anyway. Uh, no, okay, fine. I, I, I do think they should be British. I think so, too. And I say they because I am in the camp where, like, I would not mind seeing a female James Bond. Here's my point of view with that. Okay. If they reboot it, they can do anything except for I don't think that, that it takes away the main tropes of the character from the female. I think Bond could be any race. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Bond anymore if they make it Jane Bond. I mean, maybe. I mean, the yeah. I mean, it's kind of, he's kind of like the classic smarmy cis white dude. That'd be, that'd be, <laughs> like, it's yeah. kind of like his thing. And he could be a, he could be a cis, cis Asian dude, sure. cis black dude. But I just, he, I think Bond is the epitome of masculinity, classic masculinity at least. Toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity, <laughs> sure. Oh, James Bond is incredibly toxic. Yeah. It's part of his personality. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I am not one of those people that will freak the fuck out if they do that. There are so many people that would like, 
you know, you see anytime they have a story about the, how they cast somebody as a different race, something like that, in a mm-hmm. movie, that you see all those angry reacts. I wouldn't be doing that. I'd still watch the movie. Yeah. Just in my point of view, I wouldn't think it would it would feel like a Bond movie. I was, but then in the end, it's just a movie. I was so stoked that they finally cast a, a woman to play doc, the Doctor in Doctor Who, and it was like awesome. And then you know the show ended up being kind of terrible. But I think like, she's good in the role, and there are good episodes. Yeah. But anything that ties into the mythology, they're fucking up. Yeah, and also too that like that showrunner was not the greatest, and. Now they're bringing back Russell T. Davies. So well, let's get to that story. Okay, <laughs> the segue. I didn't even know I did it. Oh yeah, but I did Russell it. T. Davies, the man who rebooted Doctor Who in 2005, brought it back from like it was ended in 1989. They made a 1996 movie that was not good. Paul McGann, which I love him as an actor. Yeah. And then they brought it back in 2005. He's the man that saved Doctor Who and brought it back for a new era of audiences. Right. Is coming back in as a showrunner of Doctor Who mm-hmm. after leaving it for like a decade. Yeah. So yeah. you're a fan of Doctor Who? Are you excited about this? I, I am. I, I'm a fan of the uh, the original reboot. Uh, I, I don't say the original run because I'm not a fan of the 60s and 70s and 80s Doctor Who. I get it. It's okay. It's just not my speed. No, it's fine. But the not Russell, for everybody. The Russell T. Dave... Dave uh, Russell T. Not, we're not editing this podcast. Nope, never getting that edited. <laughs> the Russell T. Davies Doctor Who uh, episodes was what got me into it. Like watching... Um, and I'm running up his name right now, right up to the... Christopher Eccleston? Christopher Eccleston, thank you. Watching him, and then watching Tenet, and then watching Matt Smith, who I actually really enjoy, but he's very divisive, people don't... Matt Smith is my favorite Doctor. I, I think he's my favorite Doctor, too. Which he is not Russell T. Davies, though. No, but that's but that era okay. went, was what got me into it. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, because uh, Davies left after Tenet left. Yeah, and then went over to the guy who wrote Stephen most of... Stephen Moffat. Who wrote great episodes of Doctor Who before he took over. Yeah. He wrote, like, the the, um, the Weeping Angels. Yeah. I, and the Girl in the Fireplace and stuff like that. Stephen Moffat is, is an interesting case in that I think he's done great things, but also did a bunch of, like, not great things that were, like, part of the, the series. It's like, what are you doing that? Why are you doing that? I think Steve... Okay, I... But I don't hate the Steve Moffat era. I mean... Like, a, a lot ju- of it's actually good. I think, yeah, I think the first half is really good. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Moffat... I said this before I knew who he was, mm-hmm. because he wrote the he wrote the screenplay for the Rin, Adventures of Tintin movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and He also I, wrote the show Coupling. I love Coupling. Which great, is, if great you show. don't watch the show Coupling, it's the British version of Friends. Better than Friends. It's better than Friends. It's but, so uh, good. He wrote Adventures of Tintin. I, I think he just loves himself a good twist mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. And Tintin is a great movie until the end, where it's not good anymore. Yeah. And I feel like he just, he just gets so proud of himself. He just wants to blow himself. He's so proud of his twists. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, that's not that good. Take that stuff out. Just make it a little bit less twisty and you're better. And yeah. I think he got too into himself. The further he went on when Doctor Who, the worse he got. I, I am a, a knitted, a knitted Peter Capaldi hater in terms of his Doctor. I think he has some oh. great... I think his last season actually with Pearl Mackey was phenomenal. Other than that, it wasn't that good. I they Everyone's like, he's so good because he's a throwback to the old Doctor... Crotchety old man doctor was like, but I didn't watch those shows. I didn't like them when I tried to watch them. So why would I want a doctor that harkens back to that? I like, I like the sassier, younger doctor. Like that's what I like. Even even like the all slightly middle middle aged Christopher Eccleston played that part really well because yes, like yeah. cool, he's well worn, you know. 
shit, I'm sad that John Hurt died because like I would have loved to see a run as John Hurt as the Doctor. What like, else? Do some War War Doctor eras, you know? That would be great. Something you could check out. I I listened to the Big Finish Audio Adventures. He did four volumes of yeah. Audio Adventures, which were really good. Yeah, because John Hurt's freaking amazing. That's why, and you know, rest in peace. But. I the, even Paul McCann is not bad. Again, he did audio adventures that were really good. He, he was the doctor. He was the longest running doctor if you count the audio adventures. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he did a whole ten and a half years of being the doctor, just an audio form. And that's why I love that. Like they brought him back. And I might be misremembering the first episode of the of the Davies era, but at some point, he, it might have been a special too. But they bring him. They show the the. the they show the regeneration to Eccleston. I will explain this because I know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, cool. Please. Okay. Please help me. So, <laughs> That's the 50th anniversary, they did the special, the special where they brought back Tenet. Yeah. And they brought in the War Doctor. And it's called The Day of the Doctor. Yeah. That's... Before that premiered, they had a, a mini episode that went online yeah. called The Night of the Doctor. Starred Paul McGann. Right. And it showed him, uh, him uh, regenerating into Hurt. And then Hurt comes in the day of the Doctor, and then the end of that of day of the Doctor, he he goes into Eccleston. That's what it was. Thank you for. I was like, I know I'm not, I'm not inventing this, but there was two times that Paul McGann was on screen as the Doctor. One in that TV movie where he was in America for some reason, and yeah, had, had the guy. Well, because they were going to make it an American TV show. Yeah, and I'm glad that it didn't work out. <laughs> it was with an actor that I I recognized from like TV from back then. He's a big chubby redhead guy. Can't remember who that is. Don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, he was one of the the, the companions in that show, and then uh, and then the, that that's that short. And then, uh, do you count the comic relief as canon? The com- Oh no, I do not. <laughs> Where has all of the doctors come out? Rowan Atkinson is one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I do not count. Uh, Hugh Hugh Grant's one of them. You know, <laughs> that's such a fun bit though. Um, but some people count that as canon. Some people say that the doctors had too many regenerations. I don't count that. I will not count that. You cannot make me count that. I will fight I, to the bitter end. <laughs> yeah, and I, there's some gaps in my knowledge, but I think there's some people that claim that since since Do- Tenet's Doctor was a, technically a regeneration of the hand, mm-hmm. that the regeneration cycle rebooted and they can go past... They were supposed to only go to 13 Doctors. Yeah, well, they've already fudged that with, with Smith at the end of his run. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Is that they're like, we we wrote ourselves into a corner saying the doctors only regenerate thirteen times. Well, they did that because I've watched all the yeah all the episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the fourth Doctor's era, they came up with the the thirteen regeneration. So like, yeah. you're you're making the fourth Doctor in the seventies. <laughs> you're not really thinking about, and it, he was on it for seven years, so yeah. like a long time. You're not really thinking about that far down the line. Yeah. Well, at, at one point, the Doctor dies. Tenet Doctor dies, but they saved his hand. And then they regrew the hand into a new doctor kind of thing. And no, that actually was another. It was basically a copy of him. He basically like yeah. wormed because he didn't die. He almost died, but his body died. But he was still alive enough to regenerate. I could be way yeah. wrong. But anyway, the, the whole that people are using that as a justification. Yeah, that, uh, they're like, oh, well, that's not the same doctor because. But it's like technically, like oh, we shed cells every day, so like every every certain but the, years. The doctor you're different. talking about ended up with Rose at the end. And went into another dimension. Right. The hand doctor. Right. But that that point fuzzed everything up for the whole regeneration cycle thing in terms of like... I'm getting confused on what we're talking about. I am too. It's time travel and regenerations. It makes no sense. It's all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, you know, Jeremy Bear-me, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Where was that from? Oh, The Good good Place. place. Yeah. Great. Also very good if you have not seen that, but... 
All right, I want to get your rolling on this. Okay. So in Texas, this is barely a, a showbiz story, but I don't care. It's Guilty. close enough. <laughs> uh, in Texas, a man decided, for fun for his neighborhood, mm-hmm. he was going to dress up as Michael Myers, carry around a bloody fake knife, okay. and just walk around the neighborhood, and everyone's want to look at somebody and brandish the knife at him. Now, he got arrested. Do you think he, they, that they, they should have arrested him? Yes. yes. No? Yeah, I know. Okay, yes. I'm sorry, but you I, nobody knows if that knife is real or not, or that blood is real. And yeah, he may be doing a character, but like, need I remind you that John Wayne Gacy walked around as a clown yeah. character and killed people. So like, maybe people don't know that you're actually not a serial exactly. killer. Exactly. He's like, people don't have a sense of humor anymore. They could tell it was uh, it was a fake knife. It's like, no, no. Some big dude is walking around as a dressed as a killer, brandishing a knife. I don't want my kids around that. Yeah, no. Rest the fuck out of that guy. I don't want, a sense of humor. I don't want me around that. Go away. And I don't like horror movies that much, to be honest. But, like, like so, like, I don't really watch, like, like Halloweens or the, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacres or anything like Ooh. that. But... Z Sharon, I'm kidding. I'm sorry, but I, I don't like being scared. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to throw myself in the, in the hole with you. Okay. I don't think Michael Myers is any good. I think he's considered the best slasher guy. I hate his movies. Okay. I've not seen one of them. So I'm in there with you. Consider he's, he's considered a classic. I don't like Michael Myers. Yeah, my, a lot of my a lot of my friends love horror movies. A lot of them do. I enjoy horror movies, but uh, it's not my favorite genre. They they mock me because they're like, "We're gonna go see this movie. It's by this person." You might go I'm like, "No, why? Because it's scary." And like, you're like you're almost forty years old, girl. Like, get get your shit together. And I'm like, I don't care. Just don't want to pay money to get scared. Like, that's yeah. not me. You know. So, but, uh, but yeah, for that guy, yes. I, whether he could be dressed like Ronald McDonald and he had like a sword like that. <laughs> okay, Ronald McDonald's fucking scary as hell. Yeah. Well, He's I, way more scary than Michael Myers. If they made a Ronald McDonald movie, I would not watch it. I would. If they did the old McDonald Land characters and brought him back from like did, the 70s. Did you find out what, have you heard what Grimace is? No. They finally revealed what Grimace was because it made no sense. Grimace Everyone is else. A shake. No. What? He's not. What is he? It was revealed. He's a taste bud, a giant. Taste bud. What? He's just walking around. You you touch him. He's tasting you. No, he's the shake. No. What? This was this came out very recently. It was like huge news when people found out what Grimace was. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like it at all. So now do you want to see him with Ronald and his taste bud friend? No. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see that movie anymore. I'm now I'm like, and what was Birdie? Birdie's supposed to be for breakfast foods, I think. I guess because she lays eggs, so you you eat her eggs for you your eat, breakfast. Yeah, let me eat your your unborn children. Yeah, it's it's cute. It's family friendly. Every every vegan listening was like, "See, I told you, <laughs> you don't like." I do like eggs. I'm sorry, I eat them, but like, I don't. Not when they're coming from giant felt characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like the felt eggs would not be good. I, I, how I I don't know how old you are, but like, I'm 34. Okay, so you you might have remembered this, but McDonald's. Used to be all about these McDonald's characters. Too. Oh yeah, to the point where like the seats in the restaurant, you were sitting like on the hamburger, like the hamburger Mayor McCheese's head and stuff like that. It was very creepy. <laughs> uh, but yeah. like that's like every McDonald's, and now and now McDonald's are very like we just want to be like Starbucks. Everything's yeah. like a cafe. They're like, no, go back to the weird well, ass shit. Especially, I think, uh, <laughs> I think they kind of retired Ronald McDonald around the time it came out because people, oh yeah, clowns started getting a very bad uh, association. Uh, do you know who the first Ronald McDonald was? No, I do not. Uh, do you remember Willard Scott from the Today Show? 
I know the name. I don't know the face. Willard Scott was the guy that would like was a weather guy on the Today Show, and also like would like shout out like hundred year olds' birthdays. Or, like oh, now, take a look at your other year around the country. He, he died. Okay. But like he was the main guy. He was his. He got his job because his first job was he was the first Ronald McDonald. I did not know that he was <laughs> yeah. anyone significant. Uh, no, no, you don't know. Okay. I, <laughs> you don't need to. I mean, nobody watches the Today Show. I'm sorry. But like nobody watched it back then either. I only watched it because I was at my grandma's house usually on Sundays or whatever. And they'd be watching the Sunday version or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, Willard Scott was the first, uh, first Ronald McDonald. I'm not going to go tonight. News. All right. This next story is just selfishly for me because I'm sad about this and I want to talk about but nobody watches this show. Okay. So there's a show on Netflix. It's a British show. It's called Dairy Girls. They have announced it's coming back for its final season soon. It's all because you guys have been watching this great fucking show. Ooh, is it's it, a rough take uh, yelling at your audience. I don't care. <laughs> fuck all you. Unless you watched it. Then you're on my side. You understand. But fuck you guys that didn't watch Dairy Girls. It is a fantastic show. It's a Scottish show. It takes place... Uh, during the Troubles in the 90s is what they call it. So it's oh. a comedy facing off against that backdrop. But it doesn't really talk about it that much. It just kind of goes in and out on it. Okay. okay. It's really funny. It's just a bunch of uh, girls in this Catholic school and then one guy that's forced to go to that school because there's no other school around there mm-hmm. that he can go to. So one guy in an all-girls Catholic school and them all dealing with stupid problems like they can't get fries from their favorite shop anymore because they messed up uh, the relationship with the fry guy. Oh. And they make good fries. Oh. Shit like that. It's very fun, very petty, and also just... So fucking good. You do have to watch it with subtitles. I can't understand them. But you guys all canceled it, so fuck you all. Have you, uh, this is kind of related because it's set in England, but are, have you watched any of Ted Lasso yet? I refuse to buy any more streaming services. <laughs> I draw the line at Apple TV. I See, I, I got it for a year when I bought my computer, so like, I kind I of technically got... could have gotten it. For that free thing, but I know what happens when you do that because it happened to me with every streaming service I ever got with a free trial. I'll just do the free trial and then I buy it forever. So, no, you're not getting me with that. But the free trial was a year. I don't care. You're not getting me with that shit. But anyway, Ted Lasso is so good. I hear it's good. I want to watch it. You should. But I'm not going to buy it. All right. Apple TV is actually pretty decent. Don't care. Looks great. Don't want it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they. Netflix is now speaking of Netflix. Ted Lasso gets canceled because you didn't watch it, Carl. I'd be so mad. Well, I should have put it on, on another streaming service that I have. <laughs> Fuck you, Apple TV. Uh, so Netflix has announced that they're doing season two of Tiger King. Does Why? anybody want that? Why? I, the, I maintain the only reason that Tiger King, the first one, was successful is because we were all stuck at home. Well, we, I, had, we had nothing to do and we need to consume everything because that show sucks. I thought it was fun, but I also do not... I hate that everyone on that show has become a celebrity and do not want to support that at all. Yeah. Uh, I also, like... That that show came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I don't want to associate anything with that. That's gonna. You want me to go back to the way it was at the beginning yeah. of the pandemic where that felt like it was at its darkest where we didn't know what the fuck was going on? There's a, there's, no, I don't want to go back. I think that's a phenomenon that someone will eventually write a paper about, but there's a, a real thing called, like... I'm calling it. It's not a real thing, actually, at all, but, like, I'm thinking it's real called the um the pandemic zeitgeist okay bump in that like there were things that probably would have done middlingly to okay maybe would have got some buzz but because we were all stuck at home and couldn't do anything they got bumped i will put tiger king in that category i'll put the game animal crossing in that category because <laughs> real talk were you gonna buy animal crossing no i wasn't and then i did nothing to do and someone said hey you can talk to people on your island and like i just want to talk to people and I bought that game and played it religiously for six months. My wife 
never owned a video game system. Uh-huh. Pandemic, she bought a Switch specifically for Animal Crossing. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people did. And, like, I remember, like, the old Animal Crossing games, nobody knew, played those. Nobody yeah. knew anything about them. They were fine. But they were, like, it, started, it was like Stardew Valley. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It was, like, the, so there are a lot of things out there that exist in a way that, like, they would just be okay, but because of the pandemic, they got this huge yeah. boost. And Tiger King definitely is that. And I think they're going to learn very quickly that Tiger King 2 is not going to do that great because they're, we're not forced to stay home anymore. We're, we don't want it. I don't, we don't need it. And, but I think they should have realized that when they started coming out with, like, Nicolas Cage is going to be starring in a, in a Tiger King, like, movie about that guy. Nobody cared by the time that started. Tiger King was fast and done. Yeah. Like, it was two months tops, and then everyone was out. Netflix has that kind of power. Like, the things happen, and they become, like, everyone's talking about it, and then they go away real quick. That is very common with Netflix. Um, I am a huge fan of She-Ra. I love the new She-Ra reboot. Nobody's talking about She-Ra anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that was massive for me. Um, it was... I only know about it, though, because all the... the fragile men that were online that were freaking out about this doesn't look like the, t- the show from my childhood and i'm like dude you didn't watch shiro when you were a kid anyway so don't even bother are you talking about he-man i'm just saying that in oh. general no he made that happen too with the new one yeah. but no when shiro came out and she doesn't look like back you know like the old 80s version where she's super sexualized yeah. shiro doesn't look super sexualized anymore it's like it's not for you dude it's calm not. down it's not for you it's written by a trans man it's for it's for queer people, <laughs> and it's fun, and it's adorable. So, you know, like it or don't, but back off. Yeah, that's <laughs> the only reason I know about it. And so many, but I think that also helps get the show out there is people are trying to stop this down. I only know about it because people were upset about it. Yeah, I, I highly, I've watched it three times through already. I highly recommend that show. It's on, it's on my list, but there's so many shows that I want to watch. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to it, but it definitely looks, I've heard good things. Something I've learned while watching so much anime is that, like, it is entirely possible for cartoons to make you cry. Oh, yeah. And uh, She-Ra made me cry many times. <laughs> many times. Lady, let me tell you this. I almost cried over a comic strip that was about six panels. Hey, you know what? It hit me hard, and I didn't know why. Honestly, I... Why hold back? Cry I told my... I told... <laughs> my, I told... Uh, I, I, I guess, I can't remember who it was... About this talking about the comic strip on the show, mm-hmm. I almost triggered right it up again. I I will I will. Uh, so like I I get it. I might be able to trump you on this. What? I hate that. Can we find a new word for that? Yeah, he, can we? He, he ruined, ruined everything. That thing. I might be able to uh, best you on this one. Okay. But I I have a certain gum commercial that makes me cry every time. <laughs> I watch it. Every time. Can you describe the gum commercial? Because I've already told about my comic strip, but what's a gum commercial? So it's a commercial for extra gum. Okay. And I'm really, you can't see me, but like I'm holding my head steady so I don't tear up. So it's, it's, okay. it's this guy that like runs into this girl and he gives her like a stick of gum and then like he draws a little cute drawing on it and then he gives it to her and it's like, hey. and then they like start to like hang out and they start like dating and like every so often, he give like a little stick of gum to her, and they have a big old fight in the middle of it. And uh, by the way, the whole the whole soundtrack is uh, uh, Haley Reinhardt's version of "Can't Help Falling in Love." Okay, like the very like. Oh, I can't. Anyway, so <laughs> they, they get in a big fight. Uh, he apologizes. He draws out a little cartoon on a gum wrapper and and gives it to her, and she's like, "Oh, that's cute." 
And then uh, at the at the end of the of the commercial, don't fucking cry right now. It's All okay. Right. At the end of the commercial, she walks into this like art gallery, and there's no art on the wall. The only thing that's there is just his fucking drawings <laughs> that she proposed. <laughs> I think you say, and then she proposes to him. Because I <laughs> no he he proposes oh, to her okay. because she got surprised because of all these gum wrappers and okay. they're trying to say like extra <laughs> this you, is real I'm really crying no, about describing I'm, badly dis- badly describing this commercial I was just trying to translate for you because you got <laughs> your voice got to a point I couldn't understand anymore I had to choke it up I'm sorry it's uh, alright but like yeah like that's. That's sad. That's sad. But no, it's not. It's no. fucking cute, and I and love that movies, I do it. That's cool. I look. I grew up uh, <laughs> every time. I grew up a lot. Where uh, I don't think, and uh, it's nothing against my dad because I, I, my dad's a great guy. But you know, I grew up in a time where it's like you know, men don't cry. So like, I, I had that sensibility until about five years ago, and then yeah. I started allowing myself to cry at certain things. Mm-hmm. And no, yeah, I'm openly oh. admitted a lot that certain things hit me, and it's fine. I the best thing that hormones have ever done for me is just unlocked the ability to cry, because it is so refreshing to just if you're pissed off, just go fucking cry it out, and you're good, and then you go back right back to where you were. But like, it's really I don't want to go too deep more. Into the, I can go over hours on this topic, but like, it's it's absolutely horrible that like men aren't allowed to cry, or, oh, yeah. or they're told they're not allowed to cry because it's a natural thing that your body does, and like, that's why there's so many like men with trauma. There's so many men that like are borderline suicidal is because they have no outlet for their emotions because they're told emotions are weakness. Yes, and that and you see a lot of a lot of guys that like their lives could be so much better if they just got rid of that well, toxic well, bullshit because if you let in that you let in other things too if you let, allow yourself to, to cry and feel emotions you could be there more for like i've seen a lot of dads nowadays a little bit more there for their kids a little bit more involved emotionally yeah. involved in there too where it used to be like quote-unquote women's work now yeah. they're allowed to get on that step yeah. more too and it's now that we're getting getting into a time it's not completely accepted probably definitely almost not at all in red states yeah. but it's getting to a more accepted point where guys can feel yeah. We're getting more involved and shared equally with certain things that used to not be used to only be for quote unquote quote women. Right. And I'll and I will I will preface to say I don't require hormones to cry. Um I will say though that like when I am having a good cry, I can't stop crying. <laughs> like I cannot physically stop myself from doing it. So I just ride the wave. It, just let it happen. So you're saying it, it just made it easier for you to, but you didn't require yeah. it. I mean, you can, anyone is allowed to cry yes. regardless of your hormonal patterns, but uh, it's, it is definitely amplified. There is an amplification of, yeah. of, of those tears <laughs> and it's, you know, but it's also for happy thing. Like that gum commercial is cute as yeah. hell and it's so happy, but it still makes me cry. Every, and I started crying just describing it, and I didn't even describe it very well. <laughs> I did good enough. I get, I got the gist. Yeah, I, I didn't cry, but I, I thought maybe someday I might cry about it. I, we'll I think, see. I think at one point you should watch that commercial. I will look it up after the show is done. Please wait till I'm gone okay. before you do, because I don't need that heat right now. <laughs> don't don't want to just record it, us watching it together. Is I mean, I would re- I would do a reaction video, but then I, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I've already cried about it today, so I'm not doing anymore. Anyway, <laughs> all right, let's just do a few more stories. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Carl's tired of me now. <laughs> no, if you want, if you want to keep on going, we're just past two hours. But right. if you want to keep on going, I got plenty of stories, and then we still got the last segment. What do we got? 
Yeah. All right, so uh, I do actually have to go eat dinner at some point. All right, so tell, all right, do you want me to stop the story? Stories no. now and do the last segment. What's how many more you got? I got a lot of stories, so like we could stop at any time. Uh, pick two. Pick two. Right, your pick favorites. Two. That's what I was gonna do, and then you said you thought I was getting rid of you. So let's just do two. I all know, right. I was, I was being sarcastic. I wasn't actually like, okay. saying that. <laughs> like, but do pick pick this. Let's uh, for the audience's sake, let's pick two, and then we'll get to the last bit. Okay. So do you know know Catherine Hannes? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Agatha Long, Catherine Hunt? Yeah, yeah. Agatha Harkness, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, she has been cast to play Joan Rivers in a new series showing how basically her rise up to fame on okay. Showtime. Okay. What do you think about that? She does look like Joan Rivers, but like pre, pre-plastic pre surgery Joan Rivers? Probably. Like it's from like the stuff. 70s and the 80s. Yeah, I mean, nobody looks like Joan Rivers before she passed because she had more plastic surgery yeah. than anybody. But like, It's a series, not a movie, so it's going to take its time to go through that story. Uh, I could see it. I think Catherine Hahn could do anything. I think she's phenomenal. I remember her from back, like one of the first things I ever saw her, she was in Anchorman. Oh, yeah? She was the one that was like, the whole like teleprompter bit. She was the one that was like, uh, uh, he will say anything you put in the prompter. Anything. That was her. That was okay. Catherine Hahn. And people don't remember that, but she's had a long career. And I sure. Why not? I didn't know her name until until uh, oh yeah, Wandavision. But I knew of her because she's been she's in like Parks and Rec and stuff like that too. Yeah, she's, she's had really a lot good. of those roles. Yeah, those side roles. So yeah. Uh, I but mean, do you are you anti here's, it? Here's like, my thing. Okay. I do not find Joan Rivers funny at all. And I, find, I actually found her very annoying most of my life. But that being said, mm-hmm. she is a pioneer for women. Yeah. She, uh, you know, th- back in a time where women comedians were not as welcomed as they are now. Even now, they're not, not super welcomed. I think it will be a fascinating role to watch, even if I'm not a fan of Joan Rivers. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, she may, may not have been funny for you, but the story might be good. That's what I'm saying. You know? I'm willing to give this a try, because for one thing, I think Catherine Hahn is amazing. And two, I recognize what Joan Rivers did. Even if I didn't like... Same thing with, like... And this, a lot of people are annoyed by this. I hate I Love Lucy, the show. But Lucille Ball, respect. Uh, different era. But, yeah, I, I like... I respect... Obviously respect Lucy. But I actually do... When you turn the scope of what the way you're watching I Love Lucy, you can't watch I Love Lucy with a modern eye. Because it won't make sense. It's mm-hmm. from the 50s. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't translate. You know? I get that. But, like, the show itself for what it was is actually pretty progressive. So I, and, and I respect all that stuff. It just, yeah. for me, it never, never rang with me. Sure. I mean, but you're also not a person in the fifties. So yeah. like, no, but yeah. like, I we, mean, we're but spoiled I'm because we've had so much good television, but back then they didn't. They True. But I, channels. I watch a lot of old television. That's just oh, one okay. that doesn't work for me. Okay. Okay. But do you watch a lot of old comedies? Uh, not, uh, uh that's fair. I yeah. don't watch much stuff past the seventies. Yeah. I mean, like, the Honeymooners isn't that funny either, but like it was probably dropped in hilarious when there was only no. four channels. And like I said, I I respect what she did for it. If they made a movie, the new one sounds a little bit weird but with Nicole Kidman, but for the most part, if they made a movie about her life, I'd be interested in watching it. If it, sure. So I respect that. Also, she is responsible for Star Trek, and I love Star Trek, so give yeah, her that. That's true. Uh, okay. She but, used to live in. Uh, they had the the Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz Ranch is in Eastvale. It's like down the street from my parents' house. Okay. And so I used to go down there all the time and like take a look. Like it's all under construction because they're rebuilding it and it's being sold. But I was like, oh, that's the Lucille Ball house because they lived out there. <laughs> there was a giant. There is okay. So there is a huge lake in Norco, okay. the city of Norco, which is right next to Eastvale, and that lake is owned now used mostly by. Uh, a prison and the navy mm-hmm. to do like naval yards but before in the old days it was a giant resort 
it was called Lake Norconian, and like people like Walt Disney would go there, and Danny Kaye would hang out there, and Lucy and Desi would hang out there, and they liked it so much they bought a house there. Okay. And so like there's all these like remnants of the Lake Norconian resort, but like it's been basically turned into a prison. <laughs> I was like, oh man, so you can't go to the resort, but but it makes sense. I, I don't know where the story came from. I just think it was fun. That's but, all right. But yeah, like that's kind of a cool thing about the area that I used to live in. <clears throat> now it's Horsetown, USA, because they have more horses per capita than anybody else in uh, California or in the United States. All right, I'm trying to. Th- Here, I'm just gonna gauge. Uh, did you ever have a PlayStation? I had all the PlayStation. Okay, so let's do that for the last story. It's, One, it's two, non, it's non-controversial. It's just a fun little thing. The only PlayStation I don't have never owned is PlayStation Five, but oh, I'm working on because it's now. impossible to get that. Well, also I just bought a PS4 not too long ago, and I'm just kind of working my way through the PS4 games. Okay, so did you ever play Twisted Metal? Yeah. How do you think about that coming up as a TV series? Why? That's what they're doing. No. <laughs> but Live action TV I, series. Uh, we'll start Anthony Mackie from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay. Uh, as who? As the clown? He's good. <laughs> like, what character? No, he's, he a, he's like some guy. I don't even remember. He's from the Sweet, original. By the way, that clown's name is Sweet Tooth. Yeah. Just so you know. He's That's from the it. original video game, which is the one I played the least, called some guy named John Doe. Oh, you know what? I I vaguely remember because I was like, what, weren't like you? Uh, you were playing as like the you played like, through the game mode. You played through as like a regular person against all those other people. That's not how I, you got to choose your people. Each person you played as had a different ending. Right. Okay. So maybe I don't know. I played it like three times. I don't like that game very much. It's like, okay. It's not. No, oh, I should have done a different story. Dang it. All right. <laughs> no, I mean it's a good story. I just uh, like I'm not a huge gamer. So like like a lot of the old games I played through because I like my speed of game is a game where you don't need a lot of dexterity to play it. Okay, like RPG. you definitely need dexterity for yeah. twisted metal. So like games like that or games like sports games or things like that, I never got into because like I don't have that kind of hand eye coordination to play those games. But like if you give me like thing like Final Fantasy Seven, where it's like menu based, sure I can pick a menu thing <laughs> all day long, you know. So my first video game I ever owned uh, on, a, on a console, I did have a Game Gear, but like a console game was Twisted Metal 2. And that was because okay. my dad didn't want us to have, my parents didn't want us to have video game systems in the house, but then PlayStation came out. And my dad thought, the graphics look so real. <laughs> we need to have this in the house. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, I didn't, so I didn't even get to pick the game. Twisted Metal 2 is just the one that he, he grabbed. Oh. And so that's my earliest video game I remember playing. So I loved it to death. Okay. That being said, I don't see it being a good movie or TV series is what this is. Okay. But we'll see. I, I mean, I, you know what? I could be wrong. There's there's things that surprise me all the time. I'm like, I didn't think I would like it. And all of a sudden, I do. I yeah. will say, if you ever play it, the endings of each character is incredibly funny. Okay. Because what you do, what the concept is, is there's this guy named Calypso who has powers. Okay. And he puts these people in a deathmatch tournament in their cars with machine guns and special <laughs> abilities that whoever survives the tournament gets to have one wish. But he's like, <laughs> he's like an evil genie in that he will twist your your wish. Oh. Like one of my favorite ones is these two idiots that have a monster truck. And they when they win, they wish to be able to fly. So he goes, wish granted, and then he's run off the building and fall to the desk, and then he pulls out plane tickets. So it's st- stupid stuff like that. That's dumb. <laughs> if they keep if they keep that stupid uh, that stupid tone for it, it might be fun. Also, but who t- who tests out their flying by jumping off a building? Why not just like 
Jump Why don't up. Why take off like, first? Just jump up. Or, like, go off of a ledge or something that's like, oh, if I fall, I might break my leg. Yeah. Worst case scenario. It was a tall skyscraper. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 let me jump to the worst case scenario. But anyway, I guess it's PlayStation. So yeah. <laughs> PlayStation from probably 1997. Six, yeah. Seven, yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right, so that is the entertainment news. Whew. Now, I gave a homework assignment. I didn't do it. You did do the homework assignment. <laughs> But I'm an improviser, so I'm gonna work through. Okay, this. <laughs> we're good. Work through. I did. I did think about it, but then my life got real busy. So okay, I'm so sorry. this is a concept I've used before. With uh-huh. uh, if you ever listened to any of the episodes with Amanda Herrera, uh, which I've done a couple with her, mm-hmm. uh, we take a movie movie that is not a musical and we change it into a musical. But now we don't actually do singing and dancing or anything like that. Especially dancing would be incredibly stupid on a podcast. But we describe what the what the songs would be and how we would adapt this. Okay. I thought about doing Truman Show. I had this great concept. I'm explain this before I go into the one I actually chose. Where, if you remember the Truman Show, it's about a guy named Truman. Which, by the way, I didn't realize until late in life that Truman was because he's a true man. Which blew my mind when I thought about that. Is that like a retcon or is that like a, the real thing? No, that's called Truman because he's a true man in the show. Well, I thought it was just because his name was Truman. They named him that because he was born to be put in the show. Weird. So he's a true man in that show. But anyways, I thought it'd be great because I had this whole concept where in that world, the musical numbers would only take place in the set world because he grew up in a world where they, they taught him musicals were real. Then I realized uh. you basically have to rewrite the whole thing for the musical to work, so I scrapped that. <laughs> and instead, I thought about, well, we're getting close to Halloween, mm-hmm. so I know you said you love horror movies oh, earlier. Oh, so much. I, I, I'm I, a good listener. I remember this. I watch a lot of horror movies. And I thought I'd take one of the... <laughs> the, the first horror movies I ever saw was Scream, which is basically... I saw almost, Scream. I know like Scream. a satire that's on horror That's not films. really a horror. That's a... Yeah, I, I, that's horror light. So horror we're, light, I, yeah. We're good with the Scream movies. So I, I decided... I made a musical out of Scream. Okay. So the first one is, uh, the first song is opening number with uh, Drew Barrymore, mm-hmm. uh, and is Do You Like Scary Movies? And it's basically the phone call. Yeah. But like, have you ever, you know a musical, I was going to ask if you've seen musicals where to do this, but you of course have. You're, you're, What's a musical? You know musicals more than I do. <laughs> where it's almost like talk singing. Yeah. It's so like fast banter and so- singing songy manner. Mm-hmm. That's what the first phone call would be. Kind of that thing, yeah. rapid pace, kind of funny, and then ends in her death. Sure. One of the rules of, of musical theater is like the, the reason it works is that, especially for musical improv games too, is that you, you talk until you can't talk anymore, and the only way you can emote is through singing, and that's when a song happens. Okay. So that's what that's why that talk banter into singing kind of goes. Okay. Yeah. But you're talking, are you talking like a Harold Hill, like... Uh, well, well, you're gonna die there, sitting there, die right now. Yeah, kind of fast there. talking. <laughs> they're, they're talking too fast to a beat. Okay, uh, but not rap. It's kind of like definitely talking in a, weird, in a cadence, but that's, not like full on belting it. That's called the patter song. Patter song. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Learn something new every day. All right. But what's the musical? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, I think most musicals have like a, a number very close to the beginning, which is like full on cast explaining the world that they're in. Uh-huh. So the the big song moves forward from that night. The next day is Woodsboro, a town of mystery, Ooh. and that is a big dance number. Everyone goes into into like the mysteries of the town, the murders in the past, the murders the night before, and also delves into Sydney's mom's death from years before. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she's just, she's not singing in it. She's just walking through and people are talking about her. Kind of like when Belle walks through the town and people are talking about that strange girl in, uh, yeah. in Beauty and the Beast. Kind of like that. So that's a big okay. yeah. opening number. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like it. 
Uh, then another number that we're going to have in there is a big moment in the movie is uh, when, uh, what's this guy's name? I hate this fucking guy, but he has a good role in this. The character of Randy. Oh, Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. Certain rules in order to survive a horror film. Has to be a number. Oh, that's, yeah, definitely. Like, that's a Ten Dual Commandments type song, yeah. you know? So that, that one, the big, but I want to juxtapose it with, okay, so he's doing the big rule song, which is a fun number, but it will jump back and forth between him singing this song and then Tatum, played by Rose McGowan, getting murdered in the garage. Because she broke basically all those rules. So it would like flash okay. above her head which rule she broke when she when they're bringing it up in the song. So it's a nice murder slash fun song. Okay, okay. Wonder okay. That. And then the big uh, killer finale, when you find out who the killers are, it's called Got to Make It Real. And it's, it is <laughs> Billy and, and uh, I can't think of it, Matthew Lillard. I can't think of his character's name. Uh, just doing the whole reveal, telling the whole plan, stuff like that, and a big song between them two while they're stabbing each other back and forth because they got to make it look real. And then the movie ends, or the play, or whatever it is, ends with a reprise of Woodsboro, Town of Mystery, going, and people are singing about the night, and then credits roll. <laughs> okay. So that's Scream the Musical. Hollywood, you're allowed to have this, uh, this idea. Now, Holly, did you come up with one, or do you want... Oh, no, I have one. I have, okay. I've had one awesome. since the beginning of the thing, so oh, I've awesome. definitely got one. Uh, I, I would like to hearken us back to a better time. Okay. A time uh, before anything we was uh, as it is now, before 9-11, okay, before, so we're before anything, uh, to the ripe old year me. of 1995. Okay. In the city of New York. Okay. In a movie I like to call Hackers. I have never seen this, but I think... Isn't this another Matthew Lillard movie? This is another Matthew That's Lillard awesome. movie. That's <laughs> awesome. This, is, this show is sponsored by Matthew Lillard. Give I, him a movie. Yeah, Fullerton College is on Matthew Lillard. Uh, so, you haven't seen the movie, so this probably won't be uh, as, as... That's okay. So Take I, me I, on this journey. Okay. So, the movie starts off. Uh, and the and the musical starts off as well. I, is this a movie musical or a stage musical? First of all, you could jump back and forth, whatever you want. I definitely wasn't consistent. So just do okay. what you want to do. So we start off. We open the stage, uh, and it's actually not in New York. Okay. Uh, it is a it is a flashback to okay. Seattle, Washington, in okay. uh, nineteen eighty three, uh, and a and a little uh, a little uh, little boy is standing on stage, and then all of a sudden it opens up, and he's not in his house. He's on trial. Okay. Because this little boy is none other than Zero Cool, the hacker that brought down 1,407 uh, computers and hacked the New York Stock Exchange. Ooh. And it is a song called Zero Cool, of course. And uh, we have learned that this is our main character. Uh, Who is this played by in the movie? Just uh, so I can well, go this, with them. In the movie, it's some little random kid. But, okay. But the uh, the character eventually becomes Johnny Lee Miller. Okay. Um. So, But anyway, so we do a song, a very like sad kind of like intro song to the world of zero cool and then the and then the 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 stage the sets move across okay and then we reveal a new york city backline and uh, uh coming on the stage usually he's on an airplane in the movie but he'll come on stage with a little suitcase and uh, zero, uh, zero cool has come out uh, on stage and he's walking on there's like city of new york people walking through and it's like they're all dressed in like cyberpunk because this is a very cyberpunk okay movie, right? gotcha and uh, he's singing his uh, second song saying like uh uh, well, let's call this song "Give Me a Computer" because he hasn't had access to a computer in ten years. Okay, uh, and so, but the the 
the climax of the song, it goes, and I am no longer zero cool. I am now crash override kind of thing. And like dips in and like, that's his new character. He's, he's training a persona. I'm loving it. I'm loving the energy you bring <laughs> to this. Totally. And so, so the, so the character goes in and, uh, uh in flies the sets for, for the high school. Okay. And, uh, and we find our, our first love song of the, of the movie, of the uh, movie because, uh, Crash Override, Crash, we'll call him Crash, uh, comes in and uh, is getting his class report okay. for his first scene, and he locks eyes with this other cyberpunky girl in the room, and her name is Libby. And so he sings a song to Libby, uh, and, and Libby is played by Angelina Jolie. In the okay. Movie. Yeah. Uh, who uh, we learn later on is uh, is the infamous Acid Burn. Oh, that is twist. The, that is the hacker name, right? Uh, and they have the, they have a like kind of a, a contestual relationship, but then uh, but then you know they they split ways. Uh, but before it does, it goes she goes into her song uh, with her friends. It's a little group song and it's called "Pool on the Roof." And they just sing about a pool on the roof of the so so the song basically like there's a pool on the roof you really gotta go if you don't go then you'll never know it's Olympic size and it's just for you so go up go up and check out the pool on the roof and their friends like pool on the roof okay yeah is this pool very important in the movie no. <laughs> okay <laughs> no but you gotta feel a lot of t- <laughs> So so uh, so Crash goes up uh, to the pool on the roof, uh, which is actually just a door, and there's no pool on the roof, and all the nerds are like, "Oh, got, what a twist! You got fooled, blackout!" And then we, <laughs> and then we come back into like this this new area that's a very like cyberpunky bar with like rollerbladers, kind of like a Starlight Express kind of stage where like rollerbladers are coming around and people are talking about hacker stuff. And uh, we meet two other characters uh, whose names I've long forgotten, <laughs> uh, um, but they're uh, they're talking about like the rules. And then Crash Override comes in, and he's like, "Who is this?" And like, "This is Crash Override. Is he is he uh, is he legit? Is he elite?" And the uh, Crash Override goes, "I'm totally elite." And then he has his like ten dual commandment song. We're like, "These are the books of a hacker that you should know." This red one is all the NSA codes, and this is the big book of Bible of Genesis of these computer things. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, he's elite, he's elite. Yes, I am. Oh, he's elite. And then Libby walks in. Da, 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 da. And, uh, and she goes, what is he doing here? And he goes, I'm an elite hacker. And she goes, well, I'm an elite hacker too. And you better prove that you're elite. We're going to do some righteous hacks. <laughs> da, 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 da. And then they go off stage for a second. But then there's this little side character. His name, he doesn't have a hacker name. He doesn't have a handle yet. He goes, I'm, it's, he sings a song called, I'm going to hack a Gibson. Because that's a big computer. Okay, I had no idea what that was. I'm gonna hack Gibson. It's a computer that no one can get into. But I'm gonna do it to prove that I'm elite. It's just gonna be for me. (laughs) Remember, audience, she didn't do the homework. I did. (laughs) And she put in more work. So, <laughs> I'm trying real hard to remember the plot of Hackers. Uh, so, anyway, so like, so he goes in. And during that song, he actually does hack into a Gibson. And uh, I've hacked a Gibson. I got a garbage file. Now everybody will know that I'm cool and I'm not vile. I win the day and I'm elite. And that's too hard to handle. Maybe now they'll give me a cool hacker handle. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, so we go back to the uh, we go back to a, a part the party scene, and they're like, "We're all going to a party at Libby's house, and it's it's a party at Libby's house, a Libby party. I'm gonna go and show that I'm a lead to her." And then uh, they all go in, and um, all of a sudden, in a room, Libby's there making out with her boyfriend Curtis. His name is Curtis in the movie, by the way. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, her computer turns on, and it just happens to be that Crash is in there. And he has a realization song, and that song is called Your Acid Burn. I'm Acid Burn. This is the Acid Burn. This is the Acid Burn. And it's a realization that she's also the elite hacker that has been battling him mm-hmm. all his life. In the movie, it's only at one scene at like a TV studio, but like all of his <laughs> life. And then. And then they decide to have a little competition. And like all the friends come in from the party and we're like, you're an elite hacker and I'm an elite hacker. Let's prove the best. Like we said, okay, let's make a bet. And the next song is called Make a Bet. And the whole song is like, I'm going to hack the person that I hate the most. His name is Richard something. The guy's name is... And, uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to say Richard Jefferson, but that's a basketball player. Um, <laughs> anyway... Um, and whoever does the most, if I win, I get to go on a date with you. And she goes, well, if I win, you go on a date with me. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and at this point, we're very late in the movie, in the uh, musical, but we meet the villains. The villains who own the, the Gibson. Uh, <laughs> it's so dumb. Keep uh, on going. <laughs> okay. So the villain, the main villain of the of the movie is a a, a hacker known as the Plague. Okay, that sounds scary. The Plague, played by Fisher Stevens in the movie, by the way. Okay. And uh, and and also his uh, his accomplice, who's played by I think Lorraine Bracco. Don't know who that is. But I, continue. I, okay. So the, he's talking to his accomplice, saying, "I'm gonna flood the world with oil, and I'm gonna blame it on the hackers. And when we get the ransom money, we're gonna take it to a resort in Spain because I'm the best hacker in the world, and I'm gonna crush those little hacker punks. I'm gonna do it with the power of my virus. My virus. The song's called My Virus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And anyway, so, but it's also revealed that, like, the plague is also uh, the head of security for this oil company in that song. And uh, it's all in, that's how he's able to, like, hack, put a virus on an oil tanker. And anyway, so they're, they're doing their hack. We go back to the hack bet. That's act, that's the end of act one. Okay. So end of act two, we're in the midst of a, of a, the hacker bet and it's tied. And they're like, oh no, the opening song is like the, the hacker bet song is like, We've been doing this bet for over two weeks, and the score is 40 to 40. We gotta do more righteous hacks to make this good, and I'm gonna up the bet if you say I could. I think on... I think if I win, then it's on our date. You have to wear a dress. And then Acid Burn goes, But if I win, then you do too. Do, 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 do. And it's like, a, okay. And then they're like, and then, uh, oh, oh, I lost it. Oh, oh, and then we have the, the first meeting. Uh, so uh, Crash goes home, and then inside, inside his room is the plague. And the plague is like, hello, Dade, that's his real name. Okay. We didn't know this until like, hello, Dade. And he's like, who are you? And he's like, I am your best friend. I am the plague. And I want you to help me take over the world. And Grash goes, in a song, he'll go like, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great song. 
<laughs> That's all he says in the movie. He's like, no. Nah, actually, he says nah. Nah's better. So I, I felt it was a little weak with no. So, but so nah's the song better. is called Nah. Nah, I won't help you. I'm a lead hacker. I'm the best hacker in all of New York and probably the world. And the play goes, I know who you are, Crash Override. This is a soft song in this, okay. in this part of the song. I know that you were zero cool. I know that if you don't help me, I could take your new hacking and make it so you go to jail forever. Help me, please. I don't play well with others. Then you're going down zero cool. And then the plague vanishes in the hat and smoke and leaves behind a computer. And it's like a, a fancy computer. And uh, and then they look at the... they Then at that point, uh, the little kid, the, Joey is his name. Okay. That saying, I want to hack the Gibson. Okay. Uh, he's on stage. It's like a little off scene. And all of a sudden, there's no music in this scene. It's it's like he's just kind of playing on his computer, and uh, he goes, "I'm gonna take this Gibson and I'm gonna put it in my locker." And all of a sudden, FBI comes in and takes him and takes him to jail. And uh, so, oof, where am I at with this? Jesus I don't. I've never seen the movie, so I don't know where we're going. I, I... <laughs> we're we're almost there. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, one of the one of the uh, the two two of the side friend hackers. One of them is called. Uh, uh, Lord Nikon, he's got a photographic memory. And the other one is Serial Killer, and Serial Killer is played by Matthew Lillard. Okay. And I don't m- remember who plays Lord Nikon, uh, but he's very good. Anyway, uh, so they're they're like, uh, they find out, they get a phone call. Who is this? Who is this? It's Joey in jail. Joey's in jail. We gotta figure out why. And it's just the two of them like, okay. I am Lord Nikon. I remember where he put that thing. He's probably put it in the middle of his room in the vent. The only place they cannot find it because they never look in the vent. Well, I'm gonna go get it. Yeah. I pretend to be a person that is a person that does cool things to get into the building. So he goes in the building and they, they, they end up cracking in the building, getting the disc. Mm-hmm. And they take it to like back to like the acid burns room, and they like let's find out what this is that got Joey arrested. He doesn't have a handle at all, poor guy. <laughs> anyway, they put it in like oh no, and then they, they realize they find out the the plague's plot, and they're like oh, oh no, it's a virus. He's gonna take her down, take us down. Richard Gill is the name of the 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 guy they were pranking. We gotta stop this Richard Gill thing at once because Gill is working with this plague guy. If they find out, they're gonna send us all to jail, and they're gonna get away with millions of dollars. We cannot do it. We cannot do it. Dave, what are we gonna do? Actually, probably crash. What are you gonna do? <laughs> and then they go into the eleven o'clock number, and the eleven o'clock number is, this is what we're gonna do. What does eleven o'clock number mean? Eleven o'clock number is the big emotional climax of the show. Oh, okay, we got ready to get in there. Now. The show is called. The number is called, hack the planet. Ooh, hack the planet. This is our time, not theirs. This is the chance we can get one over on them. Do you care? Yes, I do. I'm gonna hack the planet too, and you're all gonna help me take the plague down. No, 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 no. Hack the planet, hack the and then it goes like, like this like rapid scene, and then at the, at the uh, in the climax of it, it's serial killer who has been like the background character along, but like he comes up and goes, he they all get arrested, but he's like standing there because he was hiding, and he goes, it's up to me to save my friends, I'm gonna save them to 
day and make sure that they can walk away. I'm gonna hack the planet so hard. I'll get my help of the hacker gurus. And I'm gonna make sure that people know the truth. Hack the planet, please. And all of a sudden, all the TVs on screen come on because at that point in the movie, uh, Matthew Lillard actually hacks into like everybody's TV, including the ones in Times Square. Okay. And he goes, hey, I got this plan that this guy, the plague, was going to do, but his real name is, whatever the guy's real name is, in the show, <laughs> and he works for this oil company, and he's going to capsize a tanker and create an oil spill, but you got to say what he can't do. And by the way, I kind of feel like I'm God. Because he said that movie too. Okay, I figured. And, and all of a sudden, like... Uh, that's that's like the big thing, and then there's the big chase scene because all the cops come through, and Richard Gill comes after like the plague and stuff, and it's all ruined. They've all saved the day, and uh, and then we get to the final scene, the the closing scene, uh, and it's just acid and crash. That's it, acid and crash override, and they're like singing, and they they're in a pool because they've gone on a date, and she's wearing a dress, and he goes, oh, you look really good in a dress, and, he's, and she's like. I look good next to you because you're my favorite person. And he goes, you're my favorite person. I had something done. And while they sing their grand song, uh, uh, you hacked my heart. <laughs> we'll call it, you hacked my heart. <laughs> that fits, that fits. Uh, and, as and the rest of the audience, the rest of the cast comes out and says, you hacked my heart. You hacked my soul. There isn't anyone that has this control over me. It's just you and me forever. Had my soul, I nearly died. You took my heart and you took my pride. Because forever, it's acid burn and crash override. And on the back of the buildings on the video, mm -hmm. turn and say crash and burn, crash and burn, because that's their two names. And then, uh, and that's the end of the movie. So that's Hackers the Musical. All right, and, beautiful. Uh, good Lord. <laughs> Boy, there's so much energy going. you got to be exhausted after that. Well, I really am. I, I left out a bunch because always in the musical adaptation, there's a lot of stuff that ends in the cutting room floor. Uh, but but I think that's a really true to life. I feel like I never need to see the movie now. You really do, though. I, it's really good. I, I've seen the musical. I'm good. <laughs> so that that is Hackers the Musical. Uh, it's going to be starring uh, probably Billy Porter. Uh, I don't know. I like Billy Porter, so I'll put him in it. And then, um, I don't know, someone else. <laughs> well, Holly, thank you so much for doing this show. This was a blast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we end this thing? Uh, I probably do, but my mind is jelly right now after doing Hackers the Musical. So I, I will say that I am... Um, is there anything Fancy Hobo coming up? Yeah, or like that? so so uh, Fancy Hobo, we have a, 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 a kind of a side show called Hazards and Hijinks, which is our D&D &D game that we've created, a version of D&D &D that is hosted by uh, Hero Carlisle. Okay, and, he's been on the show. Yeah, and then uh, we're we're doing that every Friday. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on like a, a supporting role because I was on the full first season and i kind of been kicking back because I've been doing a bunch of jobs. But uh, definitely check out Hazards and Hijinks. And also, if you're looking for stuff to do during the pandemic and you I like games, I, I'm a co-runner of a company called Game Apart, uh, which you can find online. It's absolutely free to play, um, and you can get together with your friends and play games either over Zoom or over a TV in the same space. If you're in the same spot, that's cool. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And again, it's free. So check it out, GameApart.com. And uh, 
enjoy. I'd love to have you on sometime just to talk about the genesis of that. That would have been good to go into. <laughs> totally. So I'll definitely be having you back sometime. Awesome, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, thank you all for listening. Again, please rate and review this podcast. So far, I still have no reviews. What? And my dad listens. Yo, my dad couldn't dad. take the time to review his son, his darling son. But he doesn't like me crying on this thing. <laughs> Don't Anyways, make us hack your heart. Don't yeah, don't, don't hack your heart. <laughs> Rules to review a podcast or whatever. Anyways, people, please leave a review. I, I got more than zero listeners. I would like to get more people on there with the reviews. Yeah, yeah so that would be helpful if you guys could do that. Uh, but thank you all for listening. This has been Unlicensed Entertainment. I had an outline that I... What was my line? Oh, yeah. If you like entertainment news but want it two weeks late, listen to Unlicensed Entertainment. Goodbye.